Oh, hello. Seems you caught me in the middle of this classic piece of American literature. Dub Talk presents Bungo Stray Dogs. I heartily recommend it, but there are some things to bear in mind. Warning. This episode contains language and situations that may be inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This episode also contains spoilers for the entire first season. Please keep this in mind when you watch. And as always, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. And always remember, fate is a story. The plot twists are up to you. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where those with supernatural abilities get together and discuss the latest and greatest in anime English dubs. My name is Stephanie, and I am joined by Megan, Roots, and Andrew. <laughs> the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Oh, shoot. Sorry, you guys caught me in the middle of a good book here. Roots, um... Quiet today. Wow, rude. I tried. <laughs> I am owned by no man or woman. I am free, bitch. I'm going back to my book. If you keep howling for the length of the podcast, I'm going to leave and just go jump in the goddamn snowstorm outside right now. So, do I get your anime when you do? No. She'll probably oh. live. Roots, you mentioned something about a book you're reading. What are you reading, Ruth? Uh, let's see here. How to use an op- Oh, shit. <laughs> How to use and operate a hand mixer. Wait. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know where you're going. Where with are this, you buddy? going with it? I thought you were doing I a ne- bit about authors. <laughs> I never know where I'm going with my humor. That's half the fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> just know that just know that his humor is localized completely in his kitchen. Okay, all right. We gotta rein it back in a little bit because we're getting really overboard already. What, you gotta so, put that stray dog on a leash? Shut the fuck up. All right, so I'm very excited about today's episode among all, all my cohorts here because uh, this one has been, of course, a lo- been a long time coming. Much like a lot of the episodes we've actually done. <laughs> In the recent months. Um, today we're actually going to be covering the 2016 series Bungo Stray Dogs. And if you're asking why Megan isn't the host of this episode, it's because she got the host fucking Haikyuu. I wanted so to, mom wouldn't let me. I was like, can I host this? Let's make this fair. She's like, fine. So, there we go. My compensation is knowing that in like two weeks time, I can basically break into a hotel room while she sleeps while she's laying all cute and nestled in the bed next to Gigi, get really, really close, really close to her, and just go. And then I will proceed to punch you. See, this is why I got relegated out of a hotel room. It's on my own credit card to go sleep with the boys. (laughs) It's not as dirty as you think it is. It's not. No, it's it's not. not. Sneebs is involved. I can't be dirty. (laughs) Shit. Okay. Just to put a time frame for all of you who have maybe not seen the show, was like, wait a minute, this is a fucking bone show. Why the fuck haven't I watched this? This came out in the same series season as My Hero Academia season one, which yeah. is also the same season and year that Kiznaiver 
Kabuneri of the Iron Fortress, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto, Tanaka-kun is always listless, Flying Witch, Space Patrol Luluko, ReZero, and Basically JoJo's, ba JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, all came out at the same time. Holy shit. But anyway, for the people at home, if you haven't heard of this show before, because we keep rambling on forever, uh, here's a little quick summary and let me tell you about it. Kicked out of his orphanage and stalked by a beastly white tiger, life has been tough for timid 18-year-old Atsushi Nakajima. Little does he know that the real menace lives inside him, a power that catches the attention of the armed detective agency. Using inhuman abilities to combat crime, this peculiar team makes Atsushi, takes Atsushi under his wing, excuse me. They take him under the wing of their most eccentric member, Dazai. He may be a suicidal maniac, but Dazai's undying trust gives Atsushi the confidence to earn his stripes. While vicious enemies have their eye on the tiger's lofty bounty, the agency tears through mafia-muddled mysteries that not even the police are willing to handle. The eyes on the tiger. Haha, <laughs> somebody tried to make an eye of the tiger joke. Yep. Which, by the way, did you see on the blog, The blog, I think it was either today or yesterday, there was like a post, yes! on the yeah. post about different music playlists on Spotify for like... Atsushi, All the characters. Nazai, and no, it's just three. And for Atsushi's, of course, I have the fucking tigers on there. Like of course the it's fucking one. on there. That's pretty funny. But we've been dragging this intro on too long. So anyway, we're going to be going through the casting of the series, talking about... Uh, I'm assuming we're talking about our predictions, because I'm pretty sure we had predictions at some point or another. I did. Uh, thoughts, of, thoughts on the performances and... <laughs> You son of a bitch. Oh my god. Alright, Popko, knock it off, please. For those at home who aren't seeing this, Megan turned off her web camera and is now flipping us all off. Fuck you! Oh my god. <laughs> For the folks at home. Uh, talk about performances and our general opinions on the series as a whole. Now, who's ready to start the investigation as I see Megan pulling out the giant fucking tiger plushie that she has and puts it on her lap? Oh my god. It's specifically a giant Atsushi plushie! Yes, he He's is, squished. actually. It's legit. It's yeah, legit, it, Legitimately, if you, if, I don't think I've ever actually pulled it up on webcam how big he is. That, that is like pretty the, big. That, He's like the size of a toddler. A so, we're gonna get started. Uh, of course, we gotta start with our ADR directors and our script writers. Holy sweet baby Jesus, there's a lot of staff in this this one. Um, sorry, we apologize for the long-ass intro. It's it's a snow day for at least two, like, basically three of us, because you have snow going on down there too right now, Andrew, right? Uh, not anymore. It stopped around, like, noon yeah. one-ish. I mean, we have a different type of snow down here. It's white and usually gets you thrown in jail. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess at this point, uh, Roots and I are the ones that by the nice snowstorm right now. Yep. Uh, but anyway, apologies for the long intro. It's been a long day. So we're going to start with ADR directors and script writers. There are two directors, three script writers. Do we have predictions for these positions, ladies and gentlemen? I did not have predictions for ADR director and script writers. I had... I think I did when I first predicted this back when I wasn't sure if this was going to be Texas or Cali, but then I lost that file, and then as soon as I got a little more information, I made my predictions accordingly. We didn't know what coast was going to have it, so I had made full uh, Texas predictions uh, and then lost them uh, and didn't have time to repair them before the castle started coming out. I did, but again... I, I got where it was going to be dubbed wrong. Even the California one, I got I got the, the staff wrong, so 
<clears throat> I mean, in terms you, of what, studio. What did you get, though? What did you predict? Uh, what, what did you have, anyway, though? In terms of, I, I assumed it would be, like, a Bang Zoom dub if it ended up being California. I had Kirk Thornton and Joel McDonald. Uh, Basically, Kirk as director Thornton? and uh, what, what? Rod, Rod times two. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, Joel... and, I, and I'm and I'm assuming Joel is the writer on it. Right. Okay. I can see that happening. Because you know, Seven Deadly Sins and all that. Yeah. Oh wait, he's exactly. he's the Similar writer for tone. Hunter Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very possible he could have done it. Um, in terms of my director and writer predictions. Uh, I assumed that this was going to be a Dallas production, so I had three for each of these. Uh, script writers, I had possibly Jeremy Krantz, I had Clint Bickham, and then I also had the team of Monica Rial and Josh Greeley. Uh, each of these writers, I felt like this would be the kind of material that they would enjoy working on. Especially Jeremy, he was my first... Especially Jeremy, he was my first pick because um, he's actually a uh, an author himself. So I thought that would be a fun and interesting project for him to work on. Um, Director-wise, I had three picks. Um, two of which were, at the time when I made this prediction list, uh, were more fresh-faced, rather new directors. And then my first choice was one that I was like, this would be the perfect thing for him to work on. Uh, so my second and third choices for directors uh, were Clifford Chapin and Aaron Dismuke. And then my first choice in director for this was Christopher Bevins at the time. Because mm. uh, this would be a show that that he would probably love to work on. Let's be let's be real here. I mean, honestly, for my my Texas one, I had um, Afia and Terry kind of co-directing. Terry? Because uh, Terry Doty. Has, I don't think Terry's directed before. Uh, she has done things like way, way back. Like right back okay. and... But, um, because Terry Doty's actually a writer, and Afia is really big on, uh... uh literature, Japanese literature. Right, right. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. To just, just to kind of get this out of the way right now, it's a fairly similar situation to what happened with Mob Psycho that nobody realized was happening, um, where it is a California-based dub, but... It's not, in this case, it's not Bang Zoom, it's Studioopolis who has this one, though. Um, so our ADR directors, we have, we have Miss Suzanne Goldish and Rita Majkut. Majkut, I apologize if I mispronounced the last name. Uh, Scriptwriter-wise, script our three writers, we have Lucian Dodge, Rita Majkut, and Rob Blatt. So in terms of previous credits for all four of these individuals. Suzanne has been the director for various episodes of Bleach, Sailor Moon, and Tiger and Bunny. While Rita has, this is actually Rita's first directing and writing credits. Uh, previously, she's been more of a producer on a lot of, on quite a few series, specifically uh, Sailor Moon. Uh, the Vizmia dub for Sailor Moon comes to mind. Uh, Lucian Dodge, the only other thing he has actually written for is Little Witch Academia. And Rob Blatt. Rob Blatt has written for two other shows, uh, notably Kabanari of the Iron Fortress and Kakeshi. Uh, Kakeshi, or however the hell you pronounce that. Kakeshi, I think? Uh, Kakeshi. I believe. So, this is actually a really interesting staffing-wise. So, how do we feel about the staff of Bongo Straight Dogs? I guess I'll go first. <laughs> go ahead. Um... I really did actually like a lot of the casting choices. I thought they were very fun and 
Mm-hmm. Um, especially Daizai. Like, I'll just get that out of the way right now. Oh, that Daizai has probably got one of my all-time, I think, favorite castings of the last couple of years. And I think the writing is great, too. Some of the writing in the show is uproariously funny. Um, mm-hmm. Like, disgustingly funny and I, in ways I didn't think I ever needed it to be funny. Like, I think one of uh, my favorite, like, inner, especially a lot of the times between uh, Daizai and Kunihita can be some of the best shit in the show. Yes. Uh, I think one of my, just to give you an example of one of my favorite ones is, um, what I've deduced from this picture is you really don't look that manly. And I think Kunihita's response is, I'll show you how manly I am by punching you in the face. Um, and I think that a lot of the choices that they made for some of these characters were very, very uh, innovative. I do have some uh, direct- directorial or casting issues, and I know this is something that Studiopolis, I think it's just kind of in their modus operandi, not not necessarily by choice, but maybe due to potential union restrictions, because I don't know if that is involved. Their double cat. This show has a big cast in quotation marks, um, but there are sometimes where certain actors and actresses are double cast as named characters, but they're also background Foley characters. Yep, and they are done by voice actors who have incredibly distinct voices, and that's nothing against those actors. I mean, you can't always one hundred percent change the voice that you have. But the director maybe should have... The directors, Suzanne and um, Rita. Rita, Rita, should have been, I think, a little bit more careful mm-hmm. about who they had as, like, people who are being gunned down by the mafia. I know, like, at one point, like, Vic Mignogna was, like, two different, like, background characters getting axed. Yeah. And it was really, really jarring. But other than that, I don't have any real technical problems with the actual dub itself. But overall, I think this is a really great dub, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised by it, and I feel like my money went to a good place. Because I fucking pre-ordered this before I even knew who the cast was. Same. I have the nice limited edition. I am not disappointed. <laughs> Alright, who wants to go next? Alright, uh, I'll give this one a shot then. Um, I very much enjoy a lot of the character directions, performances, all, there was a lot of really good performances and a lot of different actors and actresses had performed different ranges of these characters because this is a show that can get really serious, hardcore action, violent, and also be outrageously, uproariously funny. So to get all, a majority of your cast to be able to pull off both pretty seamlessly is not easy. And I think they played those all very naturally and very well. I think that's really good. A lot of the script and, and character interactions are really outrageously funny. I'm not going to say any right now because they're more related to some of the characters, but I think it's really funny. Like I said, the the double casting thing is what I consider a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing because it's never a deal breaker for me. At the very least, it's not a deal breaker if it's like there is enough distinct difference between who is performing the characters. And I think every person or every person we will mention that comes up more than once is distinct and unique enough every time they show up as a different character. And that's fine by me. It's one of those things where it's like I think – 
California stuff is sometimes more expensive to make and or actors cost more because there's different relations. There's, like, there's a lot of differences in regards to California and Texas that we ourselves who do not work in this stuff don't understand. But I kind of write it off as like a – there are some <laughs> – funding structural differences and i don't blame it and it is a big cast and you have a lot of different individual people so mm. getting even anybody like to recall or repeat again that's not a big deal to me and i can excuse it especially in this show because they are all distinct and stand out enough to begin with uh roots how do you feel about the directing and writing on the show there are two things that i look for with like in terms of background characters, and that is whether or not they're snappy and bantery, and show has that in spades. I have to give the direction and writing a lot of credit because they do they do a lot of these characters justice in ways that you know dubs in other regions, not necessarily like Dallas or Houston, but. Maybe other California- There's a bone show that got kind of screwed lately. We'll say that. <sighs> yeah. But that may be something we deal with then another day. I really have to give props to the casting as well, because there were some pretty ballsy choices. Mm. One of which we will be getting to toward the end that I was really, really impressed with. <laughs> Script writing nailed the humor down and managed to add a little bit more punch to the, the more serious dramatic and action scenes. So in terms of the writing, I'm going to start there. It's, I say it's because it, it's been at least a, it's been a couple of years actually since I've seen the Japanese, but I think the writing stays rather faithful to it. it there's nothing really that seems odd or troubling to me, which is very interesting considering like two out of these three writers have, basically all three of these writers have like, virtually almost little to no experience like rita again this is her first time writing lucian has only written for little witch and rob has only written for two other shows one of which is another recent one that's come out another one is a one from a few years back and i don't know how well that went so considering the lack of experience between the three of them the fact that they're able to create a cohesive and rather straightforward and faithful script or adaptation here. I think that's awesome. I have to commend them for that. Um, Directing-wise, I'm pretty mixed on it, honestly. Because while there are some brilliant casting choices and performances in this show, there are some i know we were talking about like double casting here's my thing on double casting background characters it's i can forgive they're background characters they're one note characters it's fine i'll be okay there's two characters in particular we're going to talk about that i think has the biggest problem with this issue and um i'll just say that because that's i just don't understand the logic behind it honestly but um Aside from that, there are also some rather odd casting choices, some of which worked, some of which I'm, I was hesitant on, and some of which I still have slight reservations about by the end of it, but that's a conversation that we're going to have once we start getting into these characters a bit more. But overall, it's honestly really solid. Like, I fell in love with the show all over again. Oh yeah, definitely. Agreed. I, I'm very happy about it. And I just want season two. I want season two so bad. 
Face it, we all want it for like that first arc about Daisai's backstory. Yes. Yeah. I'm so yeah, excited. I saw that, oh boy. <clears throat> saw that preview, and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds really good. I want that. I actually cut the DVD off before that preview, so I didn't know if that character they gave him a voice. No, they didn't. Oh, no. They didn't. Ah. No, it's just Dazai. Dazai's name. Dazai! Dazai, you fucking ham! <laughs> and I mean, I think the other reason why we want season two so badly is because we want to see more of these uh, American Guild members, don't we? I'm kind of scared how, da, da, how well it's safe that ended up. Da, da, da. <laughs> Welcome to Eagle Land, old sport. <laughs> all right, so the first two characters. By the way, we about. did not plan that at all. All right, so the first two characters we're going to talk about, they are they come in in the last two episodes of the show, but um, we're going to talk about them because they are going to be prominent in the second season. And it's a good a time as any to discuss them. So we're going to talk about two members of the guild, which is a Amer basically the American version of the armed detectives agency. However, they are but basically evil. filled uh, with um, supernatural, supernaturally gifted individuals who basically are from Eagle Land in a sense. So the two characters we're going to be talking about who are from the guild, we're going to be talking about Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald, uh, who is the leader of the guild, and of course he is the um, the uh, personification of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Every uh, American high schooler's greatest enemy. Excuse you, I love the Great Gatsby. Fuck off. Um, Whoa, guy! Hey, look, everybody, we found the one person who likes the Great Gatsby. Shut your poor mouth. <laughs> It's a good book. Leave it alone. At least it's not the cat turned the rye. <laughs> Could you imagine if they actually? Oh yeah. By the way, if you haven't guessed the gag of this show, yeah. it's basically the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but less shitty. Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald is the leader of the guild, and he's a rich, cocky son of a bitch. Basically, can I explain that his? Okay, basically his introduction in the show is: I own what was it? Five conglomerates, three hotel, an airline, and a university. Hard noises. Yeah, intensifies. And his special ability is known as I believe it's called the Great Gatsby. Which no shit. Of course, which in season one it's not used. Um, so for the sake of people who want to watch the show and when season two eventually comes out we're not going to explain what it is um, can i tldr it at least without giving it away if you can weaponized capitalism you're not wrong <laughs> you're not wrong uh, the i would like to take a twitter post for that <laughs> oh lord the other individual we're going to be discussing is miss lucy maud montgomery uh, she is a member of the guild as well. Uh, she is. Ba, 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 she is supposed to be after. Who's supposed to be? Lucy Montgomery. These are pretty easy. Stuff. Come on. <laughs> she's the See? author of Anne of Green Gables. Thank you. I never read that story, so thank you. Uh, she's the author of Anne and Green Gables, uh, based off of her. Uh, and she she is an orphan. Uh, much like our lead character, Atsushi, who we'll, obviously we're going to discuss last. Uh, but the guild found her, decided to take her in and use her powers for corrupt means. 
Her special ability is known as Anne of the Abysmal Red, which allows her to create an alternate reality known as Anne's Room in which people are imprisoned if they get caught by Anne the Monster. Uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery's power. Fun box. Oh, fun box. Small and square and dark. Fun box. Oh, fun box. Check out these cool fun box. Oh my god. <laughs> so... <laughs> I like to think all five of you understood that reference. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, did anyone actually decide to try predictions for these two characters? I actually did. I don't have predictions for either of these characters. I have predictions for the entire uh, agency and a couple of key members of Port Mafia. I don't have any Same party guild. Me. Same with me. That's what I went with on mine. I didn't get to do any of the guild. Um, I actually did. What did you try for? What did you do? Um, only for the California cast, though. Okay. okay. It's, um, for, uh, Margaret M, I had Christina V, and for F. Scott Fitzgerald, uh, Paul St. Peter. So, the individuals voicing these characters, for Miss Lucy Maud Montgomery, we actually do have Christina V. Oh, hey! Uh, who, hey! So, and she's, uh, been in series such as Maggie, Alnoa Zero, and Tales of Zisteria. Uh, and as for Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald, we have one Mr. Chris Hackney, who has been in series such as Alone in the Sea, Mob Psycho 100, and Testament of New Sister Devil. Megan, you want to start us off with this? America. America. Fuck <laughs> 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 yeah. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> This is why I'm adopted. Uh, Speaking of things that are adopted, Lucy Maud Montgomery, uh, as played by Christina V. By the way, there should be a drinking game to Boongo Stray Dogs, which is take a drink anytime somebody flashes back to an orphanage. Take a drink. Yes. You will be dead. If, if adopted, or the very least, blinks out of your skull. If adopted, take alcohol. Please continue. <laughs> Eagle Creek beer, it gets you shit faced. Um, <laughs> Anyway, anyway. Uh, no, I was like, holy hell, Christina V, why why does Lucy show up basically in like the last episode? Yeah. Because um, I know she becomes a bigger part of season two when they fight the guild, uh, but she put such a fantastic start to just a one episode character for season one. Agreed. And you're like, Agreed. it's just so, she's such a good actress and I'm, like, and her range is honestly getting to be, like, fucking terrifying. The biggest thing I've watched with Christina V all the way through is not Magi, is is Love Live. And Katori is the complete opposite end of Brace Face Mick, Mick Creeperson. Like, there's a shot that is, like, faces of anime terrifying worthy. Like, it makes the cocky Garui girls, like, take a step back. Is it the one with the, with the bow tie braces? <laughs> it's the one with the braces. Yes. No, so she was great, and I honestly thought her fight against um, Atashi, which also, by the way, has, like, I think, like, the one overt swear in the whole show, which is, oh, shit, <laughs> when she grabs him, was fantastic. And then Chris Hackney, um, I'm not as familiar with Chris Hackney as everybody else. I haven't watched Mob Psycho, and I'm probably never going to watch Testament of a Sister New Devil because I respect myself. Um, and I own a lull in the sea, and I just haven't watched it. <laughs> I, I owned it for like two years. <laughs> hey, there's an episode idea. But he was great. I mean, my one thing was like, if he didn't say the phrase old sport at least once, I was going to give this dub a zero out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> he did, though, so we're good. 
I mean, he's not Leo DiCaprio level, but then again, which one of us is? Are any of us ever, really? I was going to say, the Oscars fucked it up, because I was going to say the only level that we would have been on with Leo DiCaprio is the same amount of Oscars, but that got fucked up last year. Um, But no, they were both really great. I think they set a really good foundation for um, what's to come. I also like that Chris Hackney didn't play... um, Fitzgerald as overly hammy or as yes. overly um cocky. Like he was cocky, but he was well within like a normal human realm at this point. Which is a really good way to set up a character because I feel like if he came in like at already at like a hundred percent ham over the top, it kind of would have ruined the character. Yeah. Um, and it would have ruined the threat level, I think you're supposed to feel. Because, again, this is a guy whose character suddenly makes a building full of people just disappear. peer Yeah. Or has command over someone who can make a building disappear. But, anyway, both of them were great, and I'm gonna shut the hell up. Andrew. Cool. Okay. Uh, Christina V is a fantastic actress. Straight up. I don't even have much more to say. She does a great job of being adorable, psycho, crazy. Christina V is really good at being this crazy, maniacal, cutesy person while also being, like, seemingly vulnerable and sincere, but also dangerous and deadly. No, seriously, Christina V is a fantastic actress. Every time I hear her nowadays, she impresses the hell of me, and... Man, I'm going. I'm really excited to hear what she brings up in season two. F. Scott Fitzgerald. My biggest familiarity with Chris Hackney is Illumi, because he is the voice of uh, Killua's older brother Illumi in Hunter Hunt. Oh my fucking god, Christina V's Killua. <laughs> oh, as someone who has not seen Hunter Hunter, oh boy, I did not realize that. Andrew just kind of like just had that moment of like, oh my god, you know god. that gift for the guy like trips out. Oh my god, <laughs> no, 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 um. Eric Wareheim, that, that gif of Eric Wareheim just doing the mind blown. Oh god, that's yeah. exactly what just happened to me. Holy shit, it's amazing. Anyways, back on anyway. track, back on track. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, he's a he's pompagant, arrogant, and rich as hell. I quite enjoyed the persona he gives off in the episode we've seen of this, but Chris is real good. I adore the dub also adding the old sport into his dialogue to make him very authentically Fitzgerald. I really like the tone that Chris gives for this. It's not, I like I said, I'm used to Illumi, which is much more stoic and like almost listless. While this is much more pompous and arrogant, and here's the wad of money, and it's great. I like what I've heard of both. Can't wait for season two. Please hope. Let's get season two soon. Okay, thanks. Please, okay, thanks. Bye. Uh, Roos. Okay, so I'll start with um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, I was kind of worried at first that they were kind of going to go with one of the, like, that strong Massachusetts waspy accent. You know, that, uh, the snobby accent. Um, I'm really glad they didn't really go with that, but he does kind of have that that rich, waspy swagger to him. And I, I, like Megan and Andrew said, I really like that they kind of threw in the old sport. Like, just just makes him sound like a pompous asshole. It's great. I can't wait to hear... he is a pompous asshole. I can't wait to see more of him in season two. Uh, Christina V. Like, there are three... There are three stages of her character that she has to nail. Sort of the innocent little girl you meet her as. Psycho mode as soon as you're in the room with her and you're playing her game. 
and then panicking as she's being dragged into her own trap. And I'm glad to say, like, she nailed all three. Christina V. Ooh, boy. Lucy is such a broken little girl. Like, because the big thing with Lucy is, like I was saying earlier, she is an orphan just like Atsushi is. But she's not treated as special by anyone. Not in the orphanage and not by the guild. So she has some jealousy and resentment, I guess, towards Atsushi because of that. And she just seems so broken. Like this, that and it ends up just kind of goes into her madness in a sense because she is a little bit nuts um and sweet lord does christina v pull that off so well like i don't think i've heard christina v pull off a role similar to this before and it's just downright phenomenal amazing to me and so is chris hackney so far as um francis scott fitzgerald uh, Jesus. Because he's so sneaky, so slimy, and he's just a huge, arrogant, pompous little shit. Probably an even With larger- money! I mean, pro and, and even, an even larger one than, um, Rompo, when we get to Rompo. But, um, I want more. This, like, both Chris and Christina- they set really good foundations for these characters, and I'm just like, I'm ready for this next season. Give me this next season. Let's fucking go right now. I just want it so bad. But yeah, I really like the I really like Chris and Christina's performances here. Uh, as short as they are in the first season, I it just makes me want more, like right away. And that's that's what's important here with shows like this that like you want more i was also going to say and... a running theme of tonight is that we're going to be glad very appreciative of actors getting different roles than we're used to them hearing all right the next two characters we have they are oh boy they are the leaders of the armed detective agency and the port mafia respectively. they put the capital um... b in boss they are the boss men. Ha -ha. So we have Yukichi Fukizawa. He is the leader of the armed detective agency. Um, and he's also... We actually kind of find this out a little bit more in season two. He's actually Kunikita's mentor. Um, his special ability is all men are equal, but I don't... But he doesn't actually use it uh, in the show. Uh, and then we have, from the Port Mafia side, Ogai Mori. Uh, he is the, again, the leader of the Port Mafia, and his ability is called Viva Sextuola. Viva Sextalis. Viva Vita Sextalis. Thank you. Sextalis. Um, which he, of course, he doesn't use. I don't think we ever see him actually use it in either season of the show. Actually. Uh, yeah, he doesn't use it in it, but I can look up what each of them do for you if you don't mind. I, I already have Wikipedia open. That's why I'm, that's why I have this. Can we talk about what yep. it's called though? Well, Vita Sexalis? Vita Sexalis. Which makes me think, man, Mori just wants to fuck a PlayStation Vita. And you know what? <laughs> it's a good console. Let him whip it out for the Vita. <laughs> why? Well, why I mean... would you think that? <laughs> Andrew, go sit in the corner. I'm already in a corner. You can't stop me. 
So on that note, do we have predictions for these two characters? Uh, I do. I predict that I need an adult. I, <laughs> I also have that prediction, but I have another prediction, not for Mori, but for Fukuzawa. I had... What do you have? Uh, this is a second casting thing. After it was made clear, this is in fact a California-based dub. So I centered my predictions around that. And I figured in regards to old man voice, I had two in mind, realistically, in my thought process. I thought, you know who's really good at being really, like, old, gruff, badass men? Ray Chase. He's 30, but he's really good at pulling off, like, gruff, badass... He's also really good at making me want to launch all of his characters into space. Yeah. <laughs> by, that, by that, you mean Yukiatsu, but honestly... Mostly Yukiatsu. Mostly Yukiatsu. Mostly Yukiatsu. Uh, in regards to my second choice, I was also thinking uh, Kyle A. Bear would have been a really good pick as well. Okay. Oh. Anybody else have predictions for these two? Classes? I actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two for Fukuzawa, mainly, you know, Texas and, and L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Texas side, I had uh, Randy Perlman. And for the L.A. side, I had Jameson Price. Okay. And I only had an L.A. one for um, Ogai. I knew this wasn't going to happen. He's mainly like a cartoon voice actor. But okay. um, a man by the name of James Patrick Stewart. Oh my god. Really? Really? No, 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 not, not Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh. Uh, similar name, different guy. Um, he plays Zigbar in Kingdom Hearts. Uh. I actually had three for each of these. Again, I, I made this list, like, probably after the first season aired, and I, again, based it on Dallas. Uh, so... For for Morty, I'm gonna start with him. I actually went with three individuals who I know could voice rather the the slimy, devious, cunning uh, boss men. Um, those being Jane Michael Tatum, Ian Sinclair, and Eric Vale. Meanwhile, Fukuzawa, Fukuzawa was interesting because I went with a couple uh well one obvious like gruff manly kind of guy that being Robert McCollum. The other two, one was very interesting, and I'm pretty sure I put him here after watching Survamp at that that year, and it was Chuck Huber. Um, I could have seen that. Yeah, and then the third person I have, and he was actually my first choice, but this was before, unfortunately, um, scheduling conflicts came into play uh, the following year. Uh, I actually had Alex Organ as my first choice initially for Fukuzawa. Okay. Uh, yeah. Simil- because I figured, like... It's like a Deckham slash, um... Yeah. I mean... Makashima from Psychopaths kind of deal. Then again, considering this wasn't a simuldub, it might have been able to be swung. Right, exactly. Uh, but what we have instead... Roots, I don't know how you're doing this today. We have Jameson Price's, uh, Fukuzawa, <laughs> the leader of the Armed Detective Agency. Uh, he has been in series such as Code Geass, Gun Code Suo, The Count of Monte Cristo, and Ideka 7. As for Mori... This one makes me happy. It's Keith Silverstein, who has been in series such as Blood Lad, Fate Apocrypha, and Monster. Oh, Monster. (laughs) I need to import that show. I miss it so much. Someday, my prince. Someday, my prince will come. Like, 150 bucks on eBay. It's an Australian DVD. Get it. Prince will come. 
<laughs> we would need a region player too, don't you? Yeah, but those are like cheap nowadays. Well, either way, I'm just like, why? Yeah. Viz, you, Viz, you fucked up. I'm sorry, you done fucked up. Anyway. Dear diary, today Viz fucked up. <laughs> uh, Forgive anyway. us, Viz. You're cool, but this Char, is you so cool. Megan. Please tell us, did these two fuck Megan. up or not? <laughs> no, no, they did not. Um, not the let's, start, let's start with uh with uh. <laughs> let's start off with the PS Vita fucker. <laughs> God damn it! Look, <laughs> I mean it's not a touch screen, so at least if he gets that stuff on it, it'll still be usable. Dang it! Andrew started it. But you don't need to keep going. Now stop it. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. What do you think of these guys? I'm dying. Uh, I think that, uh, I think, no. Uh, it was really funny was when I was watching the last episode, which is kind of the, there's only two times you really actually hear Mori talk. Yes. And that's in episode 11 and episode 12. Mm -hmm. And holy hell, I, I forget how good of an actor Keith Silverstein is, even though I just did an episode that he was on. It's really funny that you mentioned Fate Apocrypha, because nope. I only realized that Maury was uh, Keith Silverstein because for a split second he sounded like Shakespeare from Apocrypha. I was like, oh, hey, there's Keith Silverstein. Um, to which, so that's what happened when he faded from existence. <laughs> um, but no, he was great, and I think he is absolutely chilling when you hear him talk because in episode 11 when you hear him talk it is just his voice you don't see his face you don't see him you only learn that he is the leader of the port mafia at the very last second of season one like that's kind of the last image that you see is all of these other really threatening characters bowing down to him over a corpse because when you see him in the rest of the episode he is a bumbling idiot and I think Keith Silverstein plays that line so well. And then, for the love of God, can Jameson Price adopt me in this show? <laughs> I want to be a member of the Armed Detective Agency. And I think that he has such a big, commanding, and powerful voice in the show, which is really good for the character. Because the, the president of the Armed Detective Agency is everybody, everybody respects them openly except for Rompo, who does still respect him because I think this is probably one of my other favorite moments in the show. Yeah. Is uh, they're trying to find Octoshi who has finally been kidnapped by Octagawa. And Rompo doesn't want to help because Rompo's a fucking asshole. Um, he's a big immature asshole. Um, and he goes, Rompo, if you do this for me, I'll give you a reward. Rompo's like, yeah, well, I don't want money or anything. There's nothing you get me. I'll give you praise. No, yeah. No, 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 no. You, you got to do the line right. Yeah. What is I'll it? give you. You. Praise. praise. And then all and of a sudden, like, and then Rob was like, okay, bitch. Um, that's that's like that just to, that it's also be one of the funniest moments. But I think that's also a really good like thing to encapsulate. I think Jameson Price's performance down into is that he is just he's a very nice guy, but he's very very um, deep spoken and very reserved. I think another moment if um, you also want a good grasp on what the performance in the character does uh, when he talks to Fitzgerald about why he won't give them the license. Yeah. 
Even though Fitzgerald drops about a, a, a bunch of money in front of him. And a watch. But I, yes, and a watch. Um, Fancy. Can't forget about that fucking watch. No, with, um, the, pink, with the pink encrusted diamonds on it. Diamonds? No. That's a pot sweetener if ever there was one. <laughs> so let me tell you the time of my pink encrusted watch. It's the Sylveon edition. God damn it. Anyway, um, I'm good, and you guys all have a great day. Uh, all right. Andrew. Okay, so first off, Mori. I, I make jokes because I find it kind of fascinating, the contrast between this very dark, evil-looking man that commands the Mafia is also friends with this tiny little blonde Lolita child donned in red. I think it's a very distinct image, but it also makes him stand out completely. Because, like, when you first see him, he is, like... Of course, that weirdo off the street looking for, like, his missing daughter. And he's talking about his kid like he's, uh, Mace Hughes. Mace Hughes. That's exactly what yes. I was thinking. He was treating it like that. But then you see... Has anyone seen my PS Vita? <laughs> Stop it. Her name is not Elise. Her name is Vita. God damn it. Keep going. Has anyone seen my PS Vita? She's girl-shaped. Vi- Shut up. We're going to be here all night if you don't stop. Vita is love. Vita is love. <laughs> You motherfucker! I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm. No, you're not. I know Andrew, you're not. I. Uh, okay. Okay. We're doing a Sword Art Online episode if you don't quit it. Okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Keith Silverside is makes it does a really good job making him seem deceptively cheery and or silly when he is like in that episode. But then you see his true colors and that he is much more powerful, intimidating, and ferocious than we give him credit for. And Keith Silverstein is great at both. He's great at these eccentric, goofy people, but he's also these really intimidating, scary people also. And his voice is so distinct and it's really, really suits his character. Now, Fukuzawa, Jameson Price... That is just a real goddamn sexy voice. And now that I know that you appreciate uh, Jameson Price's voice now, Megan, I can now further convince you and say that Fate Zero, he plays the best character in Fate Zero. So look forward mm-hmm. to that. Not only that, I look. I love the fact that every time he his character enters the room, he has, like, the sexiest guitar riff that accompanies him <laughs> as soon as he walks in the room. It's like, what up, bitches? Yeah. I own this place. <laughs> so, I don't remember the two, but it just every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that sounds so good. But his voice... I feel like I have to find it. Again. His voice is so distinct, but so powerful, commanding, but you can tell he genuinely cares about his men and his people, and I love that scene of him him where like he's essentially confronting the greatest challenge in the series not Fitzgerald Kyoka when he's staring mm. down Kyoko and she's just like hey, I'd like good. to join please consider please consider yeah right. and then it's just like please dramatic consider. tension to like Japanese guitar and he's just like yeah okay yeah I love that but no I really I just his presence and his voice is so powerful and stands out and I think he does a great job and I think both of these leaders do a good job I'm sorry I'm just trying to find the fucking song ah sorry Shinya's jumped back into my arms and she now wants out of my arms here it is (laughs) I found it 
Like, can you can you even imagine, guys? Like, holy shit! I wish that was my walking theme. <laughs> you know what my walking theme? I wish my walking theme was. What? Well, you tell the way they use my walk, I'm a performance fan. No time to Alright, you know what? Staying alive, staying alive. You know what my walking theme would be? What? what? My opinion on these two characters. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I better start with Mori. Um, I, I, I'm really glad Andrew brought up the, uh, the Mace Hughes analogy, because I actually been... Who was that character from Full Metal Alchemist that <clears throat> off the tip of my tongue, you know? Oh, you know, another uh, Bone show. Right. He plays, like, the dad to a little girl really well. He doesn't get to be sort of the intimidating mob boss until the very, very end of the last episode of the season. And I really like that, because I love Keith Silverstein as William Shakespeare. And this, this kind of gave me similar vibes. Uh, from... I need to see Fate Apocrypha. Yes, you don't really. Oh, you do. Only for that. Only for Shakespeare, though. Apparently. Okay, yeah. you actually want to watch. You want to watch Fate Apocrypha for three reasons. Okay. Mordred. Well, okay, four reasons. Mordred. Yep. Keith Silverstein as um, as a uh, Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fame. Uh, Fame as Elstofo. Okay. And Chris Niosi as Karna. Karna. Karna, Lord of my heart, best Lancer. He's really fucking hot okay. stuff. Okay. <laughs> like, he's he... really fucking attractive. Okay, Steph, no, you don't know. For me is like, like, I'm sorry, Steph, you will want to, you will come to my side and want Karna body, Karna body pillows. <laughs> I would never subject myself to a body pillow. I know I'm not. You with will that. Roach. Roach. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I should get to uh, Fukuzawa. Fukuzawa, thank you. Uh, I really, I'm a really big fan of Jameson Price's voice. Like I real, I for a really long time too. Like I want to say like Digimon season two when he was uh, Oikawa. I oh God! Oh God! He was Oikawa. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, he, yeah was... he was Oikawa. Insert the Luluko insert the Luluko face there. <laughs> <laughs> he plays Fukuzawa really really like like a fa you know, like a father figure to all these sons. And he knows ex and then daughters. And then daughters. He knows exactly how to motivate each and every one of them to do their job at the best of their ability. His voice is so gentle and yet so stern. Like that last episode where he's in the mental battle with F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like mm. that was some good stuff. My God. I, I really hope he shows up more in season two than he did in season one. Like maybe get an action scene too. You're, 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 you're going to see more of the two of them. Awesome. I'm going to start with Jameson Price. You want it first of all, since we were talking about sexy voices and characters that he's done, first of all, Gun Code Suo is best, so I will hear an argument. I need to um, watch that still. Yes, it's on my screen. I've never seen it. You, you need to see it. It's so bad. It's so good. Um, yeah, Jameson Price. It's always a fun time when Jameson Price gets to be a character in a show to me because he's just... I, I've never had a problem with his 
performances ever. And uh, Fukuzawa here is no different. He is such a strong, tough leader of the agency. And he is like a surrogate dad, like a foster dad for all these gifted agents of his. And he's, All these idiots. <laughs> crop of idiots. But, um... You can also tell he can be a little bit of a softie at times. I, like you were saying before that interaction where um, he, he and Kyoko are staring each other down. <laughs> like, you can tell he can be a bit of a softie. But, um, yeah, Jameson Price is phenomenal. Jameson Price is obviously phenomenal. I'm here more to talk about Keith Silverstein, though. Because, if y'all don't remember, Monster's my favorite fucking series ever. And that's funny. I thought your favorite series ever was Brothers Conflict. You shut your whore mouth. And um, if you guys never seen Monster before, first of all, you need to find a way blame to do Viz. so. Uh, and blame Viz. Okay. But second of all, he We're he plays the he plays the titular monster Johan Liebert. And that was my introduction to Keith Silverstein as an actor at the time. I am more used to hearing Keith Silverstein as these very, very cunning and dark and menacing characters. Morty is no different. But what's fun about Morty is that he has... He's very deceptive. He's very good at deception. Because in episode 12, remember, like we were talking about, while he is in Anne's room with Atsushi and Tanizaki... Uh, he puts on this facade that he's a like a retired local physician looking for his daughter and that whole bit. And he pulls a Maze Hughes, a similar Maze Hughes act. And it was a lot of fun to see him play a little bit more goofy. Uh, like, where's my daughter? I can't find her. Elise, Elise. But then when you like see that, that facade just disappear... That's where I'm like, ooh, that's the Keith Silverstein performances I know of. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. And it's so great. Like, his, like Keith Silverstein and Chris Hackney's Fitzgerald are the two that I'm like, I need season two now. <laughs> you know, it just occurred to me. You, lo you love Keith Silverstein as really cunning, like, deceptive villains. You know mm -hmm. what you need to watch, Steph? What do I need to watch? Hunter Hunter. Mmm. <laughs> 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 Keith Silverstein and his glowing dong. His glowing <laughs> expand dong. Anyway, anyway, but yeah, Keith Silverstein. I absolutely adore him when he's um playing these very very cunning and menacing characters. Because I think it's more because his vocal tone, his natural range, just seems to fit those character types so easily, and it just works so well, and it makes me smile. <laughs> I think that's really what it comes down to. But yeah, both him and Jameson Price, I love their performances in this show. But similar to Chris Hackney, uh, I need more Keith Silverstein, please. I need no more Morty, please. Can we have season two now? Um, yep. Anyway. Yep. Uh, we get to move on? Yes. Yes. Let's more season two of Boongo now, less ReZero. Okay. okay. Megan, <laughs> you stop that. You sit down. I am sitting down. What do you want me to do? Go back to my home in the pit of hell? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, Megan, you live in Florida. <laughs> You're already there. Damn it. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Fuck. I've been had. Those aren't palm trees outside. Those are flaming pillars. <laughs> That's not an alligator. That's just Satan 
finding a bigger alligator. Alright. We need to move on. Yeah. Uh, so the so the next- I like how the segment began with like jacking off to a PS Vita and ended with talking about how Florida is actual hell. <laughs> this one's gonna be long, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be so worth it! Like as long as it's not three hours, I think we'll be good. It's gonna be. Let's move on. Welcome to Dub Talk, where uh, we make complete asses of ourselves and sometimes talk about English. Where we talk about literally anything but English dubs. Then we talk about English dubs. Then we talk about anything but English dubs again. (laughs) Welcome to Pug Talk. So after that wonderful distraction of us not talking about English dubs. Let's talk about English dubs. So so we can get back to the not English dubs. <laughs> so um, the next two groups of characters, we're going to stick to the uh, more prominent members of the Port Mafia uh, for a few minutes. So the first three, we're going to talk about the next three. Uh, they are members of the big hitman squad known as the Black Lizard. So we have Ryuyo Hirutsu, he is the old man. He's basically the main commander, the leader of the Black Lizard, and he actually has a special ability um, known as Falling Camellia, uh, which sends objects flying at it with a powerful force. Uh, then we also have Michizo Tachiwada, who is a commander among the Black Lizard. As far as we know, he does not have a special ability, but he's very short-tempered, and he likes to shoot things. Uh, and then we have Gein. Gein is a very mysterious uh, Figure. commander for the Black Lizard as well. Uh, they are very quiet. They like to stab things. And I'm using the pronoun of they because it's not made clear what gender this individual is. Uh, did anyone have predictions for these three individuals? I did I, not. I don't. Nope. I didn't have any either, actually. No, All right. I have a prediction for Gin. You what? They're played by the sound of silence by Simon and Garfunkel. God <laughs> damn it. You bastard. Anyway. That is probably the smartest joke I've ever made on this podcast. <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right. So the individuals voicing these characters, uh, as Hirotsu, uh, the leader of the Black Lizard, we have Mr. Greg Chun, who um, his... His previous credits are actually really interesting. The only other named character that he has been previously is actually in Occultic Nine, and he—I'm <laughs> so sorry. But otherwise than that, he's actually—he doesn't have a lot of credits, and the rest of his credits are minor background characters in series like uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusaders, The Egyptian Ark, and Mob Psycho 100. As for Tachiwada, um, hmm. We have one Mr. Ben Diskin, who has been in series. Very extensive resume, this man. Uh, Blood Lad Erased and Seven Deadly Sins. And as for Gein, we don't know. <laughs> we- they are, in fact, played by The Sound of Silence. <laughs> because but Here's the thing. Because Gein is a silent character in the first season, um, we don't have an official cast. Gein doesn't talk, character. but Gein's really cool. Gein's really cool, and Gein's part of the Black Lizard. So I don't care what anyone says. I wanted to include Gein because Gein is fucking cool. Anyway, so, Megan, what are your thoughts primarily on Ben Diskin and Greg Chun as these two Black Lizard members? I'm staring at the cover of the manga trying to make fucking Kids Next Door code name out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. I'll try to by the end of the episode. Uh, No, um... 
I really actually enjoyed both of them. I would have thought that they would have tried to play um, Hirotsu a little bit older mm-hmm. because he looks like an old man. Right. Uh, he is. He's fifty. He's over fifty, which is pretty cool. Like, but they didn't give him like a stereotypical like old man voice, that's which I'm very appreciative that's of. What I like about it too. Yeah. But no, I really liked Greg Toon. I wish that he would, um, that this character would show up more in the season just to hear Greg Toon talk. Uh, but for me, the real standout was um, Tachihara because I could not believe that was Ben Diskins for like a good solid minute. I was like, that's not Nigel Luno. <laughs> because the things I, I mostly equate Ben Diskins as are like Bon, Joseph, younger Joseph, who, so- who sounds like a, a drunk party boy. Because the Joseph best, Joe Star- the is best the drunk Jojo. party boy. The best Jojo. That's fucking debatable. <laughs> um, fuck you, Joseph is best Jojo. Fight me, bitch. I'm sorry, that's not how you fucking spell Jolene. Um, fuck you. You know what? When, that's where, and how not hard. Johnny. Whoa! <laughs> wow. I'm not caught up with the manga. I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know. But, no, I, I loved them. And I think, for me, one of my favorite kind of moments in the show is actually between them and Kenji, mm. when Kenji throws them all out the window. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and one, the first time I saw two, that scene in English, one. I was in fucking tears. Wee! Um, <laughs> one! Two! Woo! <laughs> that, that's more talking about Kenji's actor than anything. Oh, um, God. One! One but unconscious no, they were, they were f- uh, 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 Just one. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> two! Two unconscious mooks getting defenestrated. Ah, ah, ah. Jesus Christ, anyway. By the way, I only know what the word defenestration means, and I'm going to say this by, like, one video series, and there's a bunch of people who are not going to get this joke, and then the other half of us are just going to all internally sigh in our heads. Mm-hmm. I learned what that is because of Demix time. Uh, um, That's flown right over my head. <laughs> ah, the roots gets it! <laughs> oh, yeah, I get head. it. Anyway, no, I thought they were great. I want to hear more of them. Hopefully they come back next season. So there's that. I just want to say one quick thing. Uh, When you were watching the show earlier, you wrote in the Twitter that to our our little chat, you're like, that's not Ben. Ben, fuck you. It's not Ben. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. You were in such disbelief. But anyway. I have one of those moments coming up later. (laughs) Okay. Andrew, how do you feel about uh, Ben and Greg's performances? Uh, Before I go on, I would like to say I already beat Megan to the kids next door Operation Anagram already. Oh. Uh, Operation Boongo. Black <laughs> Undercover Network goes overboard. Now you have to do the rest oh, of it. Fuck. You know what? Wait for the rest of the night. Ha! Ha, bitch! Good enough. Good enough. Wait for the rest of the night. I mean, Anyways, uh, he he made he made the operation out of the out of the most difficult word to go. With. Okay. So that's good enough. Anyways, uh, so. In regards to Ben Diskin, this was kind of what I expected more or less from Ben Diskin, but he was a lot more gruff and like trash boy, I guess, is the aesthetic I was thinking of this character. I thought, <laughs> okay, GG. And that's what I thought. He, he was very like edgy, wannabe gangster boy, even though he was actual gangster boy, but I think it works very well for this character. I like him. I want to talk more about Greg Chun because this is a name I'm less familiar with. But I re- I really, really like his voice. I mm-hmm. maybe it was just this particular like gentlemanly older person. I think his voice is really, really good. Something a very like official and menacing, but also like 
actually kind of commanding and powerful and it's really really distinct voice like of a lot of care actors where it's like i i'm either aware of who they are and am just hearing them doing new ranges this is an actor i'm less familiar with but i really liked what i heard of him <laughs> roots how do you feel about uh, ben and greg's performances um i really like ben diskin um i really liked his sort of um it's not quite the same but sort of his uh his kill a kill voice <clears throat> i haven't here's the thing and you're gonna kill you're gonna hate me for it i haven't seen the dub of kill a kill okay. oh uh, it, it's on hulu now if you want to check it out well yeah i'm I mean, actually what, what what character does ben play in um kill a kill? he's um yeah i know he's the boxing guy he's the boxing the... guy the boxing guy is who i'm referring to by the way Okay. Oh no, I don't know him as the boxing guy. I know him as the literal fucking <laughs> street the, the street talking guy from Yeah, um oh god, I can't remember his name. I can't but... remember his name either. This is gonna bug me. Go on, continue. Yeah, the the guy from Osaka, I think it was. Right. Oh, Takarada! Yeah, Takarada, thank you. Yeah, no, 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 no. He's no, because I remember the fucking reason I ever watched the Kill a Kill dub oh. is because of him, and it was like, um, I get money to all these grandmas better uh, faster than a pimp slaps a hoe, yo. <laughs> yeah, it's great. What? It's it was, great stuff. That's an actual fucking line. Dude, you need to watch Kill a Kill. We're gonna make that. Happen. Kill a Kill dub is I've, so good. No, I've seen the show. I just haven't seen. Yeah, dumb's like real good. I'm so late to the party on this, apparently. Okay. It's okay. We're all late to the party on a couple dubs. Anyway, Roots continue. Um, I, I really like that, that gruff and tough voice he, he uses. I really hope he gets to do more anime where he gets to use it. Mm -hmm. And, oh my god, Greg Chun. He's a really good contrast to uh, Ben Diskin. He's stern, he's commanding, but he's also gentlemanly. Like, he, he never loses his temper, never changes his demeanor. It's just this cold, calculating <clears throat> presence, and I really, I really like it. So, Greg Shun obviously, is the lesser known, I think, probably one of the more lesser known actors in the entire cast. Save for one other, and we're actually going to get to him in the next section. Um... But I agree with everything you guys have said. I actually, unfortunately, didn't write any notes on Greg, but um, he, it's not the old man voice I was expecting, but it's the old man voice I really wanted. It's not stereotypical old man. It, it does have that air of um, regal, gentlemanly, uh, and it's a nice touch that I really like, and I want to see Greg in more things. Uh, ben Diskin. Give Greg Chun more work. Yes, Ben Diskin. The closest role to his to this one here is, I would actually say, is Blood Lad as Wolf. Um, I still guys, I did get it. to that. You do, because uh, I also need to. You do, because here's my thing. I get I, there's a reason why I Nick I I I said that Spazzy Pappenbrook is best Pappenbrook, and I'm going to leave it at that. Um. But yeah, Ben is very scary and menacing as this, this this character, and it's so much fun. Like, I don't think, I, I actually don't think I've seen him as the scary, menacing type before. I've seen him as intimidating. I've seen him as a goofball. I've seen him as 
broken human being, but I don't think I've actually seen him as scary and menacing yet. So this is a fun little change. The fun like, little fun little change for me. It's like, great. fun fact I bring up in uh, Fate Apocrypha. He's mm-hmm. baby Gonzo in the new Muppet Babies. Oh, yeah. What? He is. Well, what? Yeah. He's the new voice of baby Gonzo. Good for him. Good for him. Mind blown. Shit. Okay. Well, I mean, then again, this is the same man who was in Kids Next Door. He True. was part of our childhoods one way or another, so I shouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, both of these performances, I I like them a lot. Uh, ben has not dis- has ever has not ever disappointed me, and uh, Greg Chun, I need to I want to see him in more things. Give him more things to do, please and thank you. Um, we ready to go to our next? I did it. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about? I did the thing What'd though. You do? What did you do? Operation Boondo Stray Dogs. Babbling, undercover, neurotic guy observes strange times revolving around Yakuza's doing overtly gang shit. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, I love you. I love you, Megan. Marry me. Oh my god. (laughs) This could be a race. Holy shit. Stop it. Megan, I'm impressed. Well done. Anyway, let's move on. Are we ready to talk about our other three major players of the Port Mafia? Yes. Well, three-ish, yes. I say. Because um, our next three characters we're going to discuss, we have Kyoka Izumi. Uh, she, she's this little girl. She's an orphan as well. She's like 14, guys. 14. And um, she ends up being taken in by the Port Mafia uh, and by Octagawa specifically uh, to be used as an assassin. Her special ability is known as Demon Snow. Uh, it's an um, it's the ability is to materialize demon snow. It's um, a sword wielding phantom which only follows orders coming from the mobile phone, uh, from a mobile phone that was given to her by her mother, uh, and actually does not comply to Kyoka's own wishes. Um, the other two members, well, the other big thing with Kyoka though is um, she's rescued essentially by Atsushi. Uh, and she ends up joining the Armed Detective Agency by the end of the first season. The other two members of the Port Mafia we're going to discuss real quickly. We have uh, Ichiyo Higuchi. Uh, she is a member of the Port Mafia and is a subordinate of Akagawa, who she actually kind of admires. Um, she lo- admires in the sense that I think she has like romantic feelings for him. Honestly, the, the whole show yeah. is basically, implied. man, I really respect my senpai. It's a cycle yeah. of... Really, she she really respects him and, and is very loyal to him. Uh, though Octagawa likes to slap the shit out of her because she smacks my bitch up. up. But um, she does she does not have any gifts or abilities. And the other person we're gonna discuss is uh, Chuya Nakahara. Um, he is an executive member of the Port Mafia, and. I'm gonna throw this out there now because it's a it's related to Dazai at this point and it's very pertinent to Chuya's character. So here's a big spoiler: uh, Dazai, his former occupation was actually as an executive of the Port Mafia, and Chuya is actually his former partner. I mean, of uh, season and- that's like three episodes in. I think season one spoilers are game at this point. I mean that's fair, but I'm just saying for like the sake of discussing Chuya, um, fair, fair. it needs to be brought up. Yeah. It needs to be brought up now rather than saved for when we talk about Dazai. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yes. And Chuya's special ability is known as for the tainted sorrow. Um, he does not use it in season one, and again for the sake of people who might be interested in, in seeing season two who may not have seen it yet, I'm not going to talk about what it is. It's cool though. It's cool. It is. It's really fucking. It cool. It is actually. 
Anyway, predictions for these characters. I I think, what did I make? I made predictions for Kyoka and Shuya. I didn't have anything for Higuchi. I did not have anything for Higuchi either, but I did also have predictions for Chuya and Kyoka. I had two for each. Same. I actually have one for each in both regions. Cool. I don't have anything because Bonner right. lost. Okay. You keep losing your shit, Megan. Like, you lost your Haikyuu predictions. Who wants to go first with predictions? Uh, in regards to predictions, like, since I said I had uh, Cali predictions by this point, um, the two I had uh, for Chuya, I had two in mind. My first prediction for Chuya was Grant George. I thought Grant George would have been a very interesting, like, he, I just, appearance-wise, I see that kind of tone of voice working really well with Chuya. And the other one I had prediction as I thought it would have been a really good compliment to who I eventually found out would play Dazai, Chris Neosi. Um, In regards to Kyoka Izumi, I had two in mind that I thought would have been really fitting for her particular, like, childish voice. Could be cutesy and childish, but also kind of badass and, like, ready to kill a bitch. Uh, Cassandra Lee Morris and Erica Mendez. All right, so unfortunately, I don't have like notes for why I picked these people, and I probably should start doing that. Uh, on the LA side for Kyoka, I had um, I- I'm sorry, Izumi. I-, I think that's the name she's referred to in the show. Uh, Kyoka Se- Izumi, yeah. Uh, Saran Williams for uh, Higuchi. It was Veronica Taylor, and for Chuya, it was Ray Chase because. You could you could put that guy like anywhere in a show cast, mm. and he'd pull it off and do great. Okay. Now, now on the Texas side, um, Izumi was Monica Rial, Higuchi was Anastasia Munoz, which is kind of funny for reasons that'll come up in a future episode, and uh, Chuya was Austin Tyndall. Well, also something funny. Hmm. Minor, minor, all Dallas based, but um, and I had two for each of these. Uh, so the funny story is I also had Austin Tyndall as Chuya. <laughs> um, but I also had, because I think, if I remember right, some of my predictions, because I'm looking at this again, some of my predictions I made for most of these characters at least not too long after the show was done. I think, then I added, I think I'm like That's right. anime I remember when we did these. Something like that. And yeah, we did could... the, no, I no. remember exactly when we did these. Because we were sitting on the floor in the hall about to go into the Funimation panel that year. Maybe? I think so. Yeah, because yes. I remember you guys yeah, doing them in last AB. year. Yeah, something like that. And I remember I helped I helped you bounce ideas off you, and right. I know I gave the Chris Neosi idea to Andrew. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So, retrospectively, I do have predictions. You're just doing them for me. <laughs> Sounds about right. But, um, but then um, some of these I added periodically throughout the year as well. Um, as I saw more and more performances and more possible opportunities. Which, in this case of Chuya, aside from Austin Tyndall, I had Adam Gibbs as an option. Um, as for Kyoka Izumi, initially I had Laura Woodhull as an option, but then I added Sarah Wiedenheth later on down the line. Uh, what we actually got for all three of these individuals... So, Kyoka Izumi is voiced by Miss Cherami Lee, who has been in series such as Soul Eater, the Digimon Adventure Tri-Films, and the new Viz Media dub of Sailor Moon. Ichio Higuchi is played by Carrie Kiernan, who's been in the original Berserk, uh, Madoka Magica, and believe it or not, she was in Yu-Gi-Oh! 
and I find yeah. this fucking hilarious. She was at UQ. I mean, she was New York based, and she was um, she was uh, the voice of Mokuba in season five of the show. Fuck you. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Fuck you. Carrie Keenan and ge- Carrie Keenan and keeps getting kidnapped. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I saw that earlier today. Keep I'm going. Like, I'm gonna look this up. <laughs> you look that up. It, By the technically, Carrie, technically it's Carrie, under a different name for her when she did the role. But oh, it's true. Carrie, oh. Carrie, hide your boners, Kiernanen. <laughs> um, and as for Chuya, this is the like I was saying earlier. We have a, another relative newcomer, um, Nicholas Roy. The only other named role that he has had previously is actually in Digimon Fusion, uh, but he has had actually the only other roles he's really had. He's had background characters in anything Sailor Moon for the Vizmia dub and uh, Naruto Shippuden. That's He's probably it. more on Studiopolis' cartoon side. That's what I'm getting out of this. That's what I'm thinking, too. Probably. That, that would make sense. Um, Megan, do you want to go first? How do you feel about Jeremy Carey and Nicholas's performances? Um, ah, it's good to see they let Sunako out of the suitcase. Um, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I know. For all five of you who get that joke. Get <laughs> um, you will. You will. You better get it by you June thirtieth. Better fucking watch Shiki. Everybody better fucking watch Shiki. Rock and watch Shiki by Got June thirtieth. Um, but no. Uh, I I liked Kyoka. I really liked that she had a real sense of vulnerability to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the scene that really like I was like, yep, I can, I'm sold by Jeremy doing this is when um. She's on the train and she's got the bomb and she's like, my name is Kyoka Izumi. I've killed thirty five people. Yeah. And I don't want to die. No, I, I don't, don't want to kill, kill again. Kill anybody, honey. And That's very important and difference. She, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to kill again. And she's super, super cute. And the whole thing with her and the the, the, the uh, president, where she's like, please, please stare. Yeah, please get sit. Like she's so cute. She's so good. And I think she really gets like kind of the scared vulnerability down, especially for a little girl who can't control herself. Um, Ichigo, who I am going to actually cosplay, by the way, um, she's basically Mafia Satsuki from fucking Kill a Kill. Yeah, <laughs> um, that seems about right. But I loved it and I thought she was great. And I just really love Carrie Keenan as these characters. Fun fact Carrie Keenan is also Elise. Elise? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah she's she also is. the she voice Elise. of Elise, and I actually like—if I didn't know it from looking it up. Yeah, you would have never known if someone didn't tell you. Elise. Yeah, she's she's the yes, little girl. She's with the little Lori, girl. The Port Mafia leader. She's the one in the red dress. She's oh. the PS Vita. Oh, okay. She's the PS Vita. Okay. Congrats, Carrie Keenan, in on playing a sentient God PS Vita. Um, <laughs> That's the running gag. Uh, but no, for me, the really big standout is Nicholas Roy as Chuya. Um, and the thing was that I was on vacation about two weeks ago to go watch Voltron with a couple of my friends. And somebody posted the clip in episode eight where um, Chuya has been tricked into freeing Daisai. <laughs> and he Daisai kind of tricks and gets all of this information out of Chuya. And Chuya goes... And he goes to Daisai, it's like, yeah, well, I'll kill myself when I find a pretty girl. And Chuya goes, yeah, when I find one, I'll send her to you. And Daisai's like, oh, you're so thoughtful, Chuya. He's like, that was sarcasm. Shut up. <laughs> and, like, that was, and somebody just titled the post, this is better in English. Yes. And it's great. 
Because Nicholas Roy needs to, Chuya needs to do more shit because Nicholas Roy was perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was the smarmy, underpaid motherfucker who has had to put up with this fucking idiot. Mm. With this like, fucking suicidal probably Yeah. He's probably what Lilac would sound like if Lilac was a guy. Um, yeah, if we were, <laughs> it's funny because earlier we were saying, like, in every situation, I am the dies eye to Lilac's Chuya and or Dopo. Yeah. Um, we were talking about Cootie Keen originally, but Chuya. And I that I also really like too is that essentially Chuya and Dopo are very similar people yeah. when it comes to dealing with Daizai, but on opposite ends of the fucking spectrum. Where Dopo's just gonna fucking yell at him, and Chuya is also gonna yell at him, but he's also gonna be a smarmy jackass. Yep. And they're both, I can't believe I have not put this together until now, that they're basically the same person. Just fucking take it. I'm, I'm, just right, go. All right, excellent. Right, now I'm that guy. Okay, gift. so, first off, I'm gonna start with, uh, Higuchi. Because I really think Carrie Kiernan is a very talented actress, and I'm glad I could see a lot of her acting chops in this show, especially as Higuchi, who is basically, she is the Notice Me Senpai in a cycle of Notice Me Senpai. She is just the current one wanting to be noticed with not nobody noticing her. She is the bottom of that. While she is noticing Octagawa, and Octagawa wants to be noticed, but yada yada yada. Cycle of notice, be senpais. Cycle but of no, senpais. I think Carrie Kiernan does a really good job being the stern, like badass of a woman in a suit. By the way, she looks really good in that suit. By the way, uh, but yeah, no, uh, she's really cool. I like what she actually. You should see she really does genuinely care for Octagawa, and she could leave the Port Mafia, but this is her job, and she feels attached to it. And I think she's a fucking badass. She is too. a she badass. Is. That was a cool scene. That was really cool. Uh, Chuya was the one I really was not sure what to expect from uh, Nicholas, but I was pretty surprised at how well he fit the part perfectly. He's snark snarky and cocky, but confident and badass enough to really go toe-to-toe with Chuya, and he sounds really cool, and the scene, because here's, here's the whole thing. Uh, Dazai makes a prediction that he's going to leave sounding like a really stuck-up, like, rich girl. Yeah. And then he, he's like, are you forgetting something? And he just sighs, he's like, don't you forget about this. And he does that voice, and it's like, oh my god, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, he does the, I'll get you! It was so good. It was so cute. It was so good. Uh... But, no, I want to talk about uh, Kelka, because Kelka is a character I really enjoyed, and she really stuck out to me. But, yeah, I think especially considering this is Jeremy, is it's a much lower, more childish version of her voice that I'm more usually accustomed to. That being said, it's quiet and small enough that it fits the part well, but it's very sweet and sincere, vulnerable, but also strong enough that she will stand up for what she believes in and defend Atsushi from Octagawa. And she is also like still this child who has been hurt and damaged. And I feel all of that in the sincerity and the range that Jeremy gives this character. And I bought her as Kyoka completely. And I think she does a great job. Cool. Roots, how do you feel about these performances? All right. Um, I really liked Higuchi and the, uh, like everybody said, the, the Notice Me Senpai story arc she has. Like, she really gets uh, some really good moments in, I think it was episode 11, 
Yes. Yes, the first the first half, half where she yeah where she's defending Octagawa. Like I I really like that. Um, I did look up Nicholas Roy on like IMDb, and yeah okay. he he does a lot of cartoon and video games. Uh, he was actually Soth in Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah, he he does a really good job, and I hope he's in more anime. And I mean, Jeremy is basically playing her character from Shiki again, which I normally complain about that kind of thing, but it works so well for the character that, like, I I really can't say anything bad about her performance. Uh, I'm gonna start with Carrie. Carrie, she, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's definitely, because a lot of the performances from the women in this show, um, they have an interesting range to them, with the majority of them being more of a lower alto register. Uh, Carrie is one of them. But something I really enjoyed with Carrie is the how she portrayed Higuchi's powerlessness. Because ep- the first half of episode 11... I think is where she truly got to shine in this first season. Um, Cause you get to see why she decides to stay around. Cause she's asked several times, like, why are you still here? Like, do you have what it takes to command our respect? You know what I mean? And it's, it's a mini character arc for her as she goes through that, as well as um, showing her undying loyalty to Octagawa. It's, really awesome. I love how she portrayed that. Um, Kyoka, where did I put my notes about Cherami? Um, Cherami is such a troubled little girl. Uh, you honestly feel really bad for her because she just wants to be a normal girl. She didn't ask for this ability. She didn't ask to be, to have her and her ability used as an assassin. She didn't want none of that shit. Uh, but here she is. Stuck with it. Um, and Cherry does really well portraying that, and the, I know we were joking about Suniko from Shiki a little bit earlier, but that it sounds really rather similar to her performance in Shiki, uh, since we did actually recently talk about that show. But um, I enjoyed that as well. But where is because the uh, the person I really want to talk about? Didn't I write any notes on him? Aha, uh, Nicholas Roy. It's probably the most underrated performance of the show because mm-hmm. i got a nice little kick out of it even though he was prominent essentially in one episode and he is another character i want to see season the reason why i want to see season two like now mm. in that short amount of time that we do have him on stream as chuya i'm just captivated by it. it's very different than what i expected and um what's interesting with him and um with jeremy in particular because i wrote down one of my big notes is that with the show in general there are some very interesting interactions and counterbalances that these characters have um in the case of jeremy she has a very interesting relationship and counterbalance to atsushi who we'll talk about later on and then, obviously, in Nicholas's case as Chuya, his dynamic with Dazai is very, very interesting to me. Because we were talking about earlier, Chuya is like, I'm not paid enough for this bullshit to deal with a suicidal maniac, this crazy motherfucker. I don't get it. But their partnership actually 
it's interesting because um we actually see a little bit more of their story and their partnership in season two a bit more and they actually do make a pretty badass team like when you see it it's actually really interesting um but their interaction when Dazai is quote-unquote captured and is locked up. Their interaction in that episode was a lot of fun to see uh, and the, the two of them play off of each other. So Nichols Roy is definitely one of the, probably one of, if not the most underrated performance of this entire show. And I really want to see more of it. Please, again, give me season two, like, now. Please give us more Nicholas Roy and Chuya, please. Please, Kate, thanks, bye. Um, all right. Are we are we done talking about the Port Mafia for the time being? Because we're going to save Akagawa for later on. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm good. We're now ready to talk let's go about back to the, the guild detective agency. Oh, everyone... yes. oh my god! Yes, yes, let's do it. So here we go. We're there's like oh, there's too many members of it, but we're gonna we're gonna split six of them up into groups of three. The first thing we're gonna discuss we have the Tanizaki siblings. We have Junichiro Tanizaki and Naomi Tanizaki. Uh, Junichiro is the older brother. He is he works there part time, and he's about the same age as Atsushi. Uh, he has an ability called Light Snow, which allows him to project illusions within a certain area. TLDR, he makes the Matrix. I was about to say, or as Megan <laughs> likes to call it. Um, his sister Naomi, on the other hand, she is a part-time office clerk, and she actually is not gifted in any way, shape, or form. She's gifted However, in a couple of ladies. <laughs> Two ladies, if incest is what you like best, put your brother to the test. <laughs> um, and then... I feel bad I haven't TLDR'd any of the other powers. It's so. alright. And then the third person we're going to talk about with this group is... Kenji Miyazawa, who is this woo, woo! little innocent little kid who is um, fucking hick child. He's from the country, very optimistic, very carefree. Uh, his ability <laughs> is called Undefeated by the Rain, which grants him superhuman strength only when he's hungry. TLDR. I must TLDR. The cows have been very naughty. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyways, predictions for these characters. I actually only have predictions for Junichiro and Kenji. I actually didn't make anything for Naomi. Anyone else? Uh, What do we got? Okay, I got them. I had predictions for. I had a prediction for Kenji. Uh, I had a prediction for Naomi and Tanizaki. Yeah, I had predictions for all three. Okay. Alright, who uh, wants to go first? Uh, first things first, uh, for the Tanizaki siblings. For Tanizaki, I predicted uh, <laughs> Kyle McCarley and Lucian Dodge would be very good for him because they're much more like meeker, softer voices, and I thought they would have been more fitting. In regards to Naomi, I predicted two out of the three trifecta of Erica's. I thought oh, either Erica Harlatcher or Erica Lindbeck would have been very fitting performances in regards to Naomi's, like, chaotic, but also strangely sensual uh, tone. And in regards to Kenji Miyazawa, uh, I'm not sure why I picked him, but I thought Griffin Burns would have been a fun choice. Hmm, okay. Roots? It would have been hilarious if one of you would have said Veronica Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so for Dallas, I had Greg Ayers as Kenji... And as the Tanizaki siblings, I had Justin Briner and Felicia Angel. On the L.A. side, I had Erica Mendez as Kenji and 
Oh, holy fuck, I am so messed up. What'd you do? Bryce Pappen broken Jeremy Lee. As who? Oh my <laughs> god, he's <laughs> not <laughs> Wow. I am so fucked up, dude. Dude, now I owe you one. Hey, That's uh, fucking Christmas. hilarious. What did you say? You said as the Tanizaki siblings, he had Bryce Pappenbrook and Jeremy no, Lee. No, I heard that. You said I'm so fucked up, right? <laughs> yes. Hold on to that. Anyways. <laughs> oh God. This is why I love you. <laughs> I'm just like sideshow Bob right now, stepping on the rakes. <laughs> oh God. Are we done with predictions? <laughs> No! Okay. There's me! Okay, Steph, let's hear him. Oh, Lord. Again, I was Dallas based, and I only went with Junichiro and Kenji. I went with the guys. So I had three for Kenji. I had Josh Greeley, Justin Briner, Maxi Whitehead, because they would be fun little innocent little cinnamon rolls who are doofy. Uh, as for Tanizaki, uh, the brother Tanizaki, um, I went in the direction of more of a baritone type of voice. Uh, baritone, maybe close to tenor kind of voice. Uh, first choice went to Clifford Chapin, second choice went to Alejandro Saab. And what we have instead is, of course, me being wrong, of course, because I went Dallas and this is not Dallas. So, as the voice of Kenji Miyazawa, we have a Mr. Lucian Dodge, one of our scriptwriters coming in here, uh, who's been in series such Whee! as Fate Zero, uh, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, and I discovered that he was actually a minor character in Joker game. Neat. As for Naomi Tanizaki, Andrew, you got this correct. It's Erica Lindbeck. She has been in series such as Copelion, Love Live, and Hunter Hunter. And as for her brother Junichiro Tanizaki... Get in the goddamn agency, Shinji! <laughs> um, mm. So we have Spike Spencer as uh, Junichido, uh, who's been in series such as Black Butler Book of Circus, God Eater, and of course, most infamously, in Neon Genesis Evangelion as Shinji Ikari. Hey, Roots, remember what you said, I'm so fucked up? Uh, yes, Andrew, yes. Okay, just want to make sure you got Side that. Sideshow Bob rakes all around me. <laughs> All right. Megan, can you give me your thoughts on Spike, Erica, and Lucian's performances? Um, I guess I'll do Lucian first, because I actually didn't expect Lucian Dodge to be really good as Kenji. Um, the last time he was a teenager was in Little Witch Academia, and I honestly didn't remember really liking it very much. Um, but I liked him as Kenji a ton. He was adorable. I think that he is, um, he just nails the character. And it's funny, I brought it up with the Black Lizard group. But the uh, part in, I think it's episode four or five. It's is it four. three or four? It's I think four. it's three, actually. That's four. Where he goes, Mr. Kanekita, what do you want me to do with all these guys? Yeah. And I just throw them out the window. <laughs> One, two, woo! I'm just assuming that the direction was, uh, Lucian, just make noises. <laughs> um... <laughs> But, uh, the, like, he was so adorably, like, naive and stuff. And I think one of the other lines that really got me, and it almost, like, had me, like, if I had something in my mouth, I would have spit it out, is in episode 11, uh, later on, uh, he goes, man, I really want to, I'm so hungry, I really want a beef bowl. But don't you raise cows? Yep, 
but I love every part of the cow. How they look, how they act, how they taste. That's um, great. Like, I legitimately laughed super hard at that. Because there was just the way he delivered it was just so innocent and naive, and yet so full of conviction that he loves cows so much he would eat them. <laughs> that he loves eating them. Uh, also be... Uh, it stands that this is a line between Dopo and Atashi uh, at the end of the episode, which is, I, you didn't know about Kenji's power? He can use his power, but only when he's hungry. What does he do when he eats? He sleeps. <laughs> um, God bless. That was great. <laughs> the show is really funny. It, it was great. <laughs> uh, but the Tanizaki siblings, um, this is the double cast that I was actually uh, kind of alluding to. Is that um, Erica Limbeck is double cast, and one of the characters that she is is this character. Um, and she sounds great. Um, I will let Andrew ruin something for you all, all right, next. Thank you for letting me have that. Because <laughs> I know I'm letting you. I'm not. I'm not taking that one from you. Um, but she was actually super great as Naomi. Um, I don't get to hear Erica Limbeck play. Uh, like kind of cutesy innocent girls the only time she kind of reminded me a little bit actually of calorie in your lion april yeah from your lion april which is the only other character that was like this because usually when erica lindbeck a little bit of ellie she's not as mature as ellie is um but the last teenager i watched erica lindbeck play is anger ellie aka mordred and then i actually kind of like spike spencer as uh tanazaki i'm the he's probably the character i'm most neutral on the performance i could take it or leave it um he does a really good job i think he does a really good job when he has to scream mm -hmm. yeah um when he's kind of got to scream um Especially when he talks about having to go to Dr. Yosuno's office. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, oh, if you get injured, just... <laughs> he's just like, no! Like, poor, poor Tanisaki Nita. <laughs> Stay tuned, sports but, uh, speaking fans. Of... <laughs> anyway, um... I think he did really well. I'm gonna let Andrew now ruin a video game for everybody. Oh, no. Okay, so... Get it out of the way. Rip off the bandage. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Let, let's first start off with Naomi. And for Naomi, I have... <laughs> Futaba, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Do not fuck your fake brother. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I could never ship Futaba well, Joker because it's like his let fucking me explain sister. To all of you, that's gone over my head. I, I'm let sorry. me explain to Stephanie, who does not play video games. Explain. I do not know these video games. Uh, Erica, Erica Lindbeck. We're just gonna buy you a Erica, fucking PS4 at this point. Let me explain it. Futaba Sakura is a character from Persona Five, played by Erica Lindbeck. And literally the exact like tone cadence of cutesy little sister voice is used in Naomi's voice. And it's extra hysterical because she's using her Futaba voice and it's just Futaba, but extra horny for her brother. And it's really funny because in the game, she has a like big brother, little sister relationship with Joker, but you can also romance her. And it's basically just making me think... The Tanizaki, the Tanizawa siblings are essentially just an R18 plus doujin of Joker X Futaba to me. 
And that's something that's really funny. That being said, Joker's not voiced by Spike. Spencer, he's not. Is he's he? not voiced. No, it's Xander Mobius. Okay, that would make things even more I, weird and hilarious. Yes, but you. regardless, it's she sounds like hornier Putaba, and that's why it's funny to me. <laughs> that being said, she does a really good job being horny Putaba, and she's really super cute and sincere, but also kind of like a badass, like willing to step into into like gunfire, and also kind of like standing up for Kyoka to join the organization. That's really cool. Spike Spencer as uh, Junichiro, that's his name, Junichiro. Uh, yes. Okay. <sighs> Let's get another terrible joke out of the way. Oh, no. Shinji doesn't want to get inside of his sister. Boo! Boo! Get off the stage! Boo! Stray Dogs, you will not <laughs> fuck your sister. I'm just gonna sit here. Get off the stage! Evangelion 4.44. Okay, okay. I the new Evangelion movie has taken a turn. Honestly, at this point, it could take any turn. That being said, Spike Spencer does a really distinct voice as uh, Ginny Chiro, and I think he does a really good job being like sincere and genuine, but also doing a really good job at making those and like action sequences work really well and like i haven't heard spike spencer do this voice in a while but he has been other things i really like him as uh the otaku kid in do da 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 it's a very different voice than that but i think he does a good job as uh junichiro and i liked it lucian dodge is great he's okay what did i actually write down for him lucian dodge is real good at precious cinnamon rolls who are secret badasses Kenji is like your robot son. Kenji is just that. Yes, like my robot son, Kibo. <laughs> Kenji's adorable and hilarious and kind of awesome and dopey, but I really enjoyed Lucian Dodge playing this character. I'm done. I, I, I this segment was mainly just me making those jokes, but I really enjoyed Erica Lindbeck, Spike Spencer, and Lucian Dodge all in these roles, and they did a great job. Roots. Okay, forgive me, Bryce Peppenbrook, Jeremy Lee. I am like 85% sure I made those predictions without that in mind. I don't believe you. Oh, God. I don't even believe me. I'm not sure anymore. Anyway. I mean, it's it's funny for more than just the Sword Art Online reason, actually. Tanizaki siblings. Um, I actually, I actually really like Spike Spencer. Namely because Jinichiro has to... Uh, has to scream a lot and spike spencer does a very good job with that god damn it get in the agency shinji but at least he didn't clip his mic this time uh. like in the first episode of evangelion um erica lindbeck as naomi i like that too um what was that line you guys kept passing back and forth in the chat Oh, I think it's at one point where they're walking in episode three. Um, she's like, oh, come on. If you're going to do it, put more tongue into it. <laughs> yes. That's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I really like that dynamic between the two. And um, Lucian dodges Kenji. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, there wasn't a moment Kenji was on screen saying something that I wasn't kind of chuckling to myself. I hope that doesn't turn around and bite me later, but... I can't believe oh, Lucia Dodge wrote Night of the Galactic Railroad. That's a good <laughs> achievement. 
No, Lucian Dodge did not actually write Night of the Galactic Railroad in that movie. <laughs> yes, by know. the way, is really trippy. <laughs> anyway, Steph, oh. go on ahead. All right. I'm going to start with Lucian Dodge, actually. Lucian is... Lucian is such a good boy. Such an adorable, kind, and naive good boy. Him as Kenji is adorable as shit, and I also am reminded again that I need to finish watching. Because a while ago, I was watching a playthrough of Daigarampa V3. I haven't finished it. I need to. Because Kibo's also a good boy. Um, but yeah, Lucian's very, very adorable as Kenji, and I want to see... This is one of those moments where it's like, I don't I don't get to hear Lucian Dodge enough. Mostly because I don't generally... Watch Netflix get, dubs? No, don't generally get to watch Cali dubs. Uh, I know Jet's been going on the crusade to basically get him a lead role in a dub, and I agree yeah. with him on that. And I agree with that as well, actually. Like, Lucian Dodge needs to have a lead role at some point. Uh, Erica Lindbergh is Naomi. For Naomi, actions speak louder than words. Yes. <laughs> I have a very, um, she, very heavy cat in my hands right now, guys. <laughs> but she, uh, Say hi, Shinya. Erica's, Erica as Naomi is very adorable and perky and very energetic and loves her brother a little too, too much. But, um, We're I enjoyed from it. Alabama. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but I liked it a lot. Uh, here's the fun one for me. And his name is Spike Spencer. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I think this is actually really the first time I've ever seen Spike Spencer in a series before. That, what? Okay. I have never seen Evangelion and I refuse to touch that show with a 10-foot pole. Uh, and I have not... I actually haven't really seen any of the shows he's done. I haven't even seen the Devil Black Butler Book of Circus which probably would help remedy some of this situation. Who the hell is he in Book of Circus again? Snake. That's right, he is Snake. I forgot that. <sighs> yeah, I had to preface with all of that. Um, I don't know. Because when I watched it for the first... When I watched it up for the first time last week, I was in the camp of, I'm not a fan of it. I expected Tanizaki to have a lower, a slightly lower register voice, similar to the Seiyu, and my predictions were also based off of that. And then there's Junichido's character design, which which it's one of those things where my brain is like, vocal tone did not equate character design to me, so it was also weird. And by the end of the first time watching the dub, I was like, I still don't know what to think of this 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 performance. I still don't know. Going into the second time today, I'm gonna have to read some of my notes I wrote down. So where am I? So the first note I wrote is Spike is, I don't know, episode two as the bomber is really rough to me. I feel like the reason why he's rough in the first episode is it was kind of intentional. Uh, because it's him not acting like himself. That's true. Yeah, even, he's basically he's basically an actor acting. Even then, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. But, I mean, I will actually admit, because I think I wrote this later on, I think once I got more towards the latter half of the show, he kind of, he did grow into the character of Tanizaki as the series goes on. I will admit that. But, compared to some of the other performances in the show, it's 
not the strongest performance to me. That's fair. To be honest. Like, I'm st I still have my brain still fighting back and forth as to whether or not I actually enjoy his role, or his performance of Tanizaki, but I will admit that he grew into the character by the end of the first season, which I'm, which I'm like, okay. So it, it, it improved a bit, and like going into it on the second watch, I'm like, okay, I can see this and this. But it, it, it okay. took you a while to get used to, and it was kind of yeah. rough at first. it took a long-ass time for me to get used to it. I did get that he grew into the character uh, as the series went on, but compared to some of the other performances, this is one of those odd casting choices for me, and it's one of the oddest and, unfortunately, among one of the weaker performances in my opinion. Okay. Uh, our next three members of the Armed Detective Agency... One of which I actually watched a cosplay. Woohoo! Uh, which is weird for me to say that, because I've never cosplayed anything in my damn life. Um, so we have Dobo Kunikita. He is Dazai's partner for the Armed Detective Agency. Uh, he kind of kind of gets mad when Dazai goes suicidal and shit. Uh, he is he, he is he is what Lilac is to me. Yes, in a sense. Um he he likes to write plans and and his ideals in this notebook uh, and he hates wasting time his ability is actually called dopo poet uh, which allows him to bring into existence any existence any object he writes in his notebook so long as the object itself isn't bigger than the notebook itself um, TLDR actually... TLDR um read a book read a book read a motherfucking book <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, then we have Akiko Yosuno. Dr. Akiko Yosuno, I should say. Uh, she is the Armed Detective Agency's physician. Uh, and she's a little bit nutty because her her ability called Thou Shall Not Kill it allows Thou her to kill Thou Shall Not others. Die. Thou Shall Not Die, excuse me. Uh, it allows her to kill others and even herself, but it only works... So long as the person is half dead to begin with. So nine times out of ten for her to use her ability. She has to make her patient or herself go basically be on the brink of death. TLDR, to heal you, I need you to take the Taco Bell challenge. Good God. <laughs> and then our third individual that we're going to be talking about is... And you probably heard this name brought up previously, Rompo Edagawa. He Who? is <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, he's the he's the self-proclaimed only detective in the agency. Um, and he 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 um he's like the best kind of the best comparison I can make a, make to him is Sherlock Holmes. It's like Sherlock Holmes meets like a uh. Like one of those young adult detectives. A child. Young adult detective, basically, is what a he child. is. child. Because <laughs> um, while Rombo is very good at detection, uh, he is very childlike, and he doesn't exactly understand how real world works the first time you really get to spend with him, uh, or Atsushi, Atsushi does. The only reason Atsushi <laughs> goes with him on his case is because um, he doesn't understand how fucking trains work. <laughs> So, choo choo! I guess he needs to read Night on the Galactic Railroad. <laughs> I guess, but um, TLDR his, his oh sorry, I didn't get to it. His skill is called super deduction. Ultra uh, which deduction. Him, old well, 
I'm reading Wikipedia right now. Ultra deduction, super deduction, same thing. Where he's able to essentially solve ca like tough cases really instantly with minuscule evidence and find the killer. However, he's actually not a gifted supernatural person. He's just a normal. He's just some human. asshole. He's just an asshole. Just <laughs> some asshole that he picked up off the fucking street. He's just, he's just a normal person who he, he has. Like a more of a natural gift for deduction. It's not any. It's not supernatural based, but he likes to think. TLZR. I rolled a natural twenty to dedu to deduce what the fuck is happening. Oh lord. Anyway, predictions for these characters. I know I have predictions. I have predictions as well. Okay. Uh, yep. For Rampo Itogawa, I had two in mind as what I think would have been really fitting for this character. I had uh, Todd Habercorn and Johnny Young Bosch down for Rampo Edugawa. In regards to uh, Akiko Yosuno, I had two lovely ladies who I've seen as some favorite characters of mine who I've seen do similar types of characters as Yosuno. I thought Carrie Kiernan or Jeremy Lee would have been really good picks as Yosuno. And in regards to Kunikita, I had I had but one. Keiji Tang. I had Keiji Tang because at some point before this, I had gotten the hint that maybe he could have been somewhere in this dub, and I thought, you know what, he would be a good place <laughs> I think to... He, I think it's because he'd actually noted he really liked the show and he was watching it. <laughs> that too. And I was like, you know what, what would be a good place to put Keiji Tang in the show? And I thought, he would have really fit... He would. He sounds a little... Oh, he sounds gruff, but not, like, gruff enough that I thought it would have been too jarring, I guess, for the younger-looking Kunikita character. Okay, Roots. Alright, so, uh, for Akiko, on the Dallas side, I had Morgan Berry. On the LA side, I had Michelle Ruff. For Rompo Etagawa, on the Dallas side, I had Johnny Young Bosch. And on the LA side, I had Chris Niozzi. And for Dopo, on the LA side, I had Johnny Young Bosch. And you're gonna you're gonna get a real good chuckle out of who I had for the LA side. Or I'm sorry, the Dallas side. Okay. Clifford Chapin. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Like, originally I can see it. It'd be kinda interesting. Like originally I had done these based around the character designs, and then I actually started to watch the show in Japanese. Mm. Because I dragged and, him into doing it. Because <laughs> Megan dragged me into doing it. And when he was... Uh, when Dopo was beating Daisai around the first episode, I'm just like, okay, that's Deku and Bakugo right there. Ah! Kind of. Ah, so, I yeah. I can see it. Uh, so what I have for Akiko, I had two. I put Anastasia Munoz and Mallory Rodak. Uh, both of these wonderful ladies have voiced more, more, not stern, more stoic characters that are slightly crazy. Um, and Mallory Rodak was actually kind of hilarious because she was in, uh, Game of, uh, Game of the Place. For Rampo Etagawa, one of these is gonna be hilarious to Megan. Um, so, my first choice was actually Austin Tyndall. As the eccentric, arrogant little shit. But here's the funny one. So my second choice is actually Jason Lebrecht. This makes me happy. I could have seen that. 
Because say you trash is a thing that exists, ladies and gentlemen. Who? Oh, because it's Hiroshi Kamiya. Exactly. As for Dopo, I had three. Two of my choices I had more towards the start when I was originally making this list. Uh, those being Ian Sinclair and David Wall, because I thought they would be fun. They would be fun with the goofy yet stern character that is Dopo. Uh, but the third person I picked and who ended up being my first choice in all of this, I added later on. Because uh, at that time, one, I wanted to see this man in more things. And two, I wanted to see more of his range. I had Christopher Waycamp as my first choice for Kunikita. I may or may not have influenced that. <laughs> you may or may not have. Totally uh, what did. we actually have for these three characters, as Dopo Kunikita, we have Patrick Seitz, who has been in series such as Dime a Dollar, Hetalia, and Monster. As Rampo Edagawa, we have a Mr. Vic Mignana, who has been in series such as Owen High School Host Club, Fullman Alchemist, and various characters of the Gara franchise. And then we have Akiko Yosuno, who is voiced by... And yes, you're hearing this correctly. She's voiced by Erica Lindbeck. That... Who has also been in series like Anohana, Fate Apocrypha, and Your Lion Ape. She's also been in a little show called Bungo Stray Dogs. I think we might have talked... <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> I think it's safe to say we, uh, we're going to have an interesting discussion with, some of, with uh, two of these characters. <laughs> um, Megan, could you kick us off, please? Oh boy, howdy, I am fucking here to rumble. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's start with the good. Uh, Akiko Yusuno was fucking perfect. I love Erica Lindbeck. Erica Lindbeck is the queen of weebs. Um, <laughs> she is a super weeaboo. She's the weeb of the weebs. I like that she really played this character a lot older than I think I've ever heard her play. Um, which is great because Akiko isn't a fucking teenager. She is a doctor and a very proud of herself strong woman. Um, and... I think, to me, the first time you hear her is when, um, the first time you really get to hear her is when, um, she's treating poor Tanizaki and she sounds like she's fucking him. Um, it's also extra hilarious that she also yes. voices his sister. Sister. Yep. Fincest is yep. what you like best. Put your brother to the test. And then, obviously, uh, Patrick Sight as Dopa was also fucking perfect casting. Um, I would say it's very typical, uh, cause... Patrick Seitz is the big dude a lot. Um, his comedic timing is great. Um, I will say the the thing that really got me is in the second episode is when he does a little old lady voice. Mm -hmm. Yes. About people who complain about Daisai. Um, he, when he gets fooled by Daisai, he's great. Um, his performance in what is essentially uh, Dopo's biggest arc, the Azir King arc, is mm. phenomenal. And I also find it really funny, by the way, that Dopo used to be also be a teacher, like Patrick Seitz. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Patrick Seitz used to be an English teacher, um, which explains a lot. And now let's get to the part that I don't fucking like. Um, shocker, I don't like Vic Mignogna in this. Could you care to explain to people why and or your history? Okay. I like, uh, for everyone, because everyone's like, oh, great, here comes Megan hating on fucking Vic Mignogna again. I don't hate him. Like, here's the thing. It's the choices that he and the directing team make, because I feel like he is also a director, so he probably knows what directors are also thinking about. He plays this like if Tamaki never grew up from Oron. And I know I, I share a lot of these sentiments with Roots. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one part in the show I think Vic actually was super funny in, and that is when he gives Kyoka fun dip. I, I like that part um, a lot, too. Actually. That part was actually really funny. That's a that part was adorable and funny, and I wish that they would have kept Rampo like that. Because when I listen to Hiroshi Kamiya play him, Hiroshi Kamiya doesn't sound as... He sounds like a different person. And I've always said this. I don't have a problem when Vic plays characters. I like him a ton in Garo, and I like him a ton in Token Rambu, which is a comedy series. Because he takes his Bishonen voice... He's like, because if, you, if you've never seen Token Rambu, he plays a Bishonen grandpa sword. It's funny because I finally started Token Rambu. So you understand what I mean about me? Uh, I do. Mizukage <laughs> is that I he do. has the sensibilities of a grandpa in the, in like the sensibility and the way he talks like a grandpa, but with the sexy Bishonen voice. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I think he's a bad actor. I think he just makes bad choices. And to me, Dopo is a, not Dopo. Rompo is a bad choice that he made because he essentially plays him like an annoying, whiny child. And I get that Dopo is kind of an annoying, whiny man-child. Rompo. Rompo is an annoying, whiny man-child. They have very similar names. Um, is an annoying, uh, whiny man-child, but he never makes him super endearing, like I think the show is trying to be. It's like, by the way, guys, we all know that Rompo's an asshole who is just kind of like, I'm so smart. But deep down, he's a good person who cares about others. And it's shown when he's playing with Kyoka. Okay, I guess to, to finish it up, I don't think it's an awful, terrible performance. To me, it's the weakest one in the show. That, that... Because it's it's good intentions with bad execution. Okay, first things first, let's start off with Yosuno. Yosuno, holy shit. She's scary and sexy as hell. Does she have uh, all your so You know what? Yes. Yes. Fuck you. Ah! Fuck you. I like how king shaming has become our favorite hobby. Okay. <laughs> Straight up, I really do like Erica Lindbeck doing this role as well. Like, I know we mentioned about, like, the, the pros and cons of double casting. I can excuse it on different things. Is like, if they sound distinctly different enough. Erica Lindbeck absolutely sounds distinctly different from Naomi as she does from Yosuno. And this shows because she's a lot more competent, strong-willed, like, neurotic mad scientist, but also really strong-willed, kind of a badass ready to kick your ass. I like that line where she says, oh, like, where basically uh, Atsushi runs into a guy, trips over the stuff, she goes to apologize, and he gets really mad and starts criticizing, like, what her job occupation was, being like, oh, maybe you're, like, a hooker or something. And she's like, oh, I noticed you have two arms. That's one too many. Might I remove one for you? And it's like, god damn. Also, you have a nice leg. You have a nice leg. It's like, I get why she's doing that, but she's just like, hey, that's a nice leg. He's just feeling up his leg on the train and she's like, um, what is that one meme? I don't know what I'm doing and at this point I'm too afraid to ask. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, he already, Which is his character. I mean, it, it, he already has a tail, but that's just an extra tail going up there. Anyways, um... Boo! Yeah, yeah, because his belt is just literally his tail because he's a tiger. Did you know that? Uh... Edogawa. I don't think I had anything on Rampo Edogawa outside of Zick Mignana does a pretty okay job with him. I, I think he does put enough emphasis and comedic timing into some of the sequences with the character, and I think it works. 
but I guess may maybe in English it does sound a lot more like bratty than it does supposed to be endearing, though then again, the character is kind of like know-it-all bratty, I'm better than everybody, but he's also kind of like a weird chuny, which is interesting. The one I was the most surprised about was Patrick Seitz, because Patrick Seitz is a very deep-voiced man. And I did not associate that deep a voice with Kunikita. That being said, this really shows his stuff as an actor because he's got a lot of different sides to Kunikita. Like, the chemistry with him and working off of Dazai is comedy gold. Like, you see the comedic timing, exaggeration, facial recognitions, the tone of voice is great. But he's also very stern and serious, but you also see how much he truly cares and how much he feels guilty about the end of the Azur King arc. And now that comes to haunt him, like when he goes to save Atsushi and he's like, I don't want you to feel like I did and fail. And it just... He, he's one of the more developed characters. He's got a really cool power. And he's got so many emotional tangents that Patrick Seitz works flawlessly. Like, the comedic side, the emotional, dramatic side, the badass side. It's all there. He's playing a lot. And I think the fact that he makes it all so work with this character, even though I'm much used to him being gruffer, tougher men and him being much more like slender and younger in the show really says a lot Roots, how do you feel all right so i too will start with akiko um i really like the performance it, it didn't quite grow on me at first when she's first introduced it took until her designated episode for me to appreciate it because you get okay. to see like you get to see the sides of the character and that fight my god Especially at the end where uh, I, I forgot the name of the the, the lemon bomb lemon dude. bomber, yeah, yeah, uh, where she's basically berating him for being a bad scientist. I, I really like that. Also, shout yeah. out to uh, Brian Pomero. Yes, yeah, it is. Shout out to that guy for for being like a one scene wonder because holy shit. <laughs> yeah, his his evil laugh is very good. <laughs> Um, I I really really like Patrick Seitz's dopo. Like I I actually legit feel bad for not thinking of him when I you know did my predictions because he just he just slides into that role like it was nothing and he he gets the angry side very well. He gets the kind of supervisor role very well and the. Uh, sort of the father figure to certain characters. I, actually, you know what? I probably shouldn't say father. More like older brother. So now we get to uh, Vic Mignogna's Rompo. I'm going to be honest. I really didn't didn't like it for many of the same reasons Megan mentioned. But I do want to kind of add a little thing. It's, it's something I mentioned in the Oron episode. Okay. His his Tamaki voice is basically the his bread and butter. I, I get that, but... It kind of annoys me when he uses it nowadays, because he is capable of so many different things that are far more impressive. He was Beelzebub in Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Y you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like, he's Broly. He, he's just... He's like a vocal chameleon, so... I get kind of disappointed when he enters into a comfort zone. 
I actually had him in my predictions for a season two character, um, Lovecraft. Ooh, ooh that would have been fun. Because <laughs> that, that would have allowed him to display more of his range. Like, I don't want to say I don't like Vic Mignon as an actor. It's, it's just that if he gets into a voice he's comfortable with, he kind of takes over. I'm going to start with the easy one, that being Patrick Seitz, because he is fucking amazing. If I had to describe Patrick Seitz as Kunikita, it's like Germany from Italia meets Grimmer from Monster. Fuck. <laughs> I did not think Italia was coming into this. Well, think about it, because Germany goes on little angry rampages and yells at have everyone. Have your five cats, have your five cats or five dark marks at Arby's. But you, you see where I'm getting at there. But, yes, um, and I did not want it to go there. No, but Patrick is just hilarious and amazing as um, Kunikita. And you, the the person you whose rage you get to see the most is Patrick Seitz in the span of a minute. With that one scene in the second episode where he's make, doing these impress, impersonations of all these complaints that the agency had gotten from various people about Dazai. And it was the funniest shit. And I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Um, but he also, he's also, Kunikin is a very noble character because um, he has his philosophies that are also to, to an extent pretty one-sided. Um, he has his ideals that he wants to strictly follow. And this is probably where, because another really good dynamic dynamic duo performances is Patrick and Dazai. Um, because where Kunikita has his ideals and his morals and his philosophies, Dazai comes in where... The interact that's his, this is the actual note I had. The interactions and conflicting ideas between Dazai and Kunikita are really interesting. Kunikita has a strong sense of justice and morals. Meanwhile, Dazai is has seen has seen the darker side since he has a darker past. So his morals and his sense of justice is a bit more gray compared to Kunikita's, which is a bit more black and white. And I can relate to Kunikita in that sense because I am actually a very black and white person. It's sometimes very difficult for me to see the gray <laughs> in stuff. And my, my parents will tell you that as well. It's very interesting to see Patrick portray all of those facets of Kunikita. And I love it to pieces. Um, as for... I'm going to go with Vic Mignogna's Rompo next because I actually kind of liked it. It's not my favorite, obviously, but... I actually do like it because I understand what was going on with the character and the performance here. It's, I had actually wrote two notes, one right off the other while I was watching episode five. It's, Vic is absolutely an odd choice to play Rombo. Like, straight up, right off the bat. Um, but he does get the cocky and arrogant attitude for the character really easily. And I can see that personality come out of his portrayal of Rombo. But the other big thing, too, is he's also a spoiled little child. Because uh, it, it makes a lot of sense given Rompo's nature. Because Rompo is respected in the agency because he doesn't have a supernatural gift. Rompo doesn't see it that way because he thinks... Because he perfectly is under the impression that he has a gift. That his ultra deduction is a gift when it's not. And he just 
does he, I'm guessing he probably doesn't know and doesn't want to believe it. So he is respected in the agency because he does not have a gift, but he's actually naturally gifted. And he's treat he he's seen as a spoiled little naive child sometimes, very childlike. And he's also arrogant in what he says and does. And all of those facets, I actually really enjoyed Vic portraying them. Do I think that he was the best choice as Rompo for this, for the show? No. There's probably other cable actors who could do as good or if not a better performance. But given what we have here, I actually am I'm perfectly fine with Vic as Rompo. Uh, he understands the character and he's able to portray all those facets rather well. As for Erica is Yos is Yosino, Dr. Yosino. Sweet baby Jesus, is this a wonderful performance or what? Like like she's intelligent and slightly crazy with a some amount of seduction to her voice and her performance and it's brilliant. Um, and I love it a lot. But my main problem with Erica Lindbeck in general is the fact that they double-casted her as Dr. Yasuno and Naomi. I don't think it was necessary at all. I understand that the performances were distinct, and I appreciate that she did make him distinct. However, if you are familiar with Erica Lindbeck's voice and her range, you would be able to pick up on the on the fact that she is these two characters really quickly. So honestly, nah. If I didn't know, I it would have taken me at least like a, a little while. That, that's that's why I'm saying if you're familiar with her voice and her range, then you would be able to pick it up easily. But if you're not, then you would be you, it would you would be tricked by it. My big thing is like I was saying earlier, I, if it's double casting with background characters that we're never going to see it again, that's one story. If it's double casting with two named characters that play significant roles in the show, I don't see the reason or the point behind it. The fact, I feel like you could have taken the time to have someone fill in the other role. This isn't a knock against Erica Lindbeck's performances because her performances in both these roles are spectacular. I appreciate her being a trooper and doing it. I this is more of my critique of Studioopolis on, at this point. It was to me, it's unnecessary. They could have had two different actresses performing portraying these two characters. And as I was like, saying I, earlier, what's the possibility that it is a matter of like funding these projects being these projects and or actors being more expensive? It's a factor that I think is to be considered possibly as well. Well, there's an interesting point to be brought about that, but that's actually going to come at a later date. So. Okay. I, I just wanted to at least bring that element to be the right, devil's right. advocate. No, I understand that. I understand that entirely. There's Obviously, there has to be some factors involved that we don't know about. There is, a, obviously, there is a reason why Erica is both Dr. Yosuno and Naomi. There's a reason for it. But personally, I think it's just unnecessary that she has to play both these characters, despite both these roles being distinct and being good performances. I don't think there's any reason, personally, that this should have been done. But clearly, there was a reason for it, and I'm going to take a guess and assume that it might be just some kind of restriction that's on the studio's end. And, it's not the f and it might not be the fact that they didn't have the talent pool 
it has to be something on the production end that caused this to happen and i think it's this is just this is probably just me being ignorant i would think at this point but i think it's unnecessary okay honestly but despite that i will say that erica lindbeck was phenomenal in both her roles as yosuno and naomi she did make them distinct it's just unfortunately double casting in this scale is unnecessary to me and if you are very familiar with her range you can pick up on both her performance is very easy. That's just my opinion on all of that. Are we good to move on? Because we got three characters Are we going to talk about my boyfriend? Yes. Are <laughs> <laughs> we going to talk Let's about talk one of my boyfriends? Let's talk about one of your boyfriends. His my name boyfriend! is Rio His name is Ryonosuke Akagawa, who is uh, a member of the Port Mafia. Um, and Mafia? He's and he's essentially seen as the main antagonist among in, in the first season of the show. So, so he's a member of the Port Mafia. He was taken in by them after basically slumming it on the streets for God knows how long. Um, and he used to actually be Dazai's apprentice when Dazai was an executive for the Port Mafia. However, is... of course, Dazai doesn't. Uh, Dazai thinks he's a quote unquote a worthless piece of trash. I, I only say that because I feel like Dazai was only pretending just to rile him up, honestly. Uh, Akigawa's ability is called Rashomon. Uh, it's a coat that turns into a black beast, which, it, which can tear everything apart, even space. I don't think it's his um, coat. I think it's just it's just a no, shower shadow. Predictions for Akigawa. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't hear Megan's TLDR. Oh, TLDR. 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 I'm gonna fuck you up, you fucking bitch. Tom nom nom shadow time. <laughs> Thank you very right. much. Also, B, if you can't guess why Octagawa is my favorite character, go look who plays him in the Japanese. I'm guessing a certain uh, Kensho, comma, Ono, if you will. Yes! Yes! It's Kenshin Ono. It's Kenshin. Okay. Uh, predictions, uh, predictions for Octagawa. I, ha- I had two originally, and I had a third one solely off of a single line of dialogue in the trailer. Um, okay. I had thought Zach Aguilar and Xander Mobis would have been really interesting choices for casting Octagawa as part of a, like, edgy rival, as I think both have done a pretty good job be- doing, like, deeper, darker, or more conniving voices, but have done much more heroic roles. I thought it would have been interesting to see their spin on Akigawa. And my- this third one comes solely <laughs> off of, I tried analyzing a single line of dialogue from the Bungo D- Stray Dogs dub trailer for a long time, assuming that the mm-hmm. voice I heard was of one Koi Dao. I also okay. thought that Fun fact, by the way, so I was look uh, when I was making the Boongo Stray Dogs uh, Kids Next Door code on my memo pad on my phone, I found one that was just called Boongo Cast. Oh! <laughs> it was not totally filled out, It, but it did have predictions for Atashi Daisai and Octagawa, which I also spelt Octagawa wrong. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was also edited, last edited on April 1st, 2017, while we were at Anime Boston, that means. Oh, yeah. So I had two picks for Octagawa. One was Damon Mills, because I thought this was a Texas dub, and the other was Micah Solisod. Okay. 
I may as well bounce off of that one because obviously we bounced off each other at AB. Uh, I also had Damon Mills as Octagawa because Damon Mills would be fucking amazing as this. Let's not even joke about that. Um, and then my second choice is actually Austin Tindall man, for the same reason. Man, I don't know if it's because I'm tired as shit, but I heard you bounced off each other and I thought something completely different. Dude, it's I'm by she's not. I'm just really tired. Get your mind Andrew, corner. I'm already in a corner. Go jack off on your PS Vita in the corner. <laughs> Dub Talk Classics presents Sword Art Online. No! No! I love you, Patrick! Roots, what are your predictions for Octagawa? Actually, this one is really easy. Dallas, LA, same guy. Matthew Mercer. Ooh, okay, interesting. Ooh, I, I can see it. Oh. What we got instead, ladies and gentlemen, is, uh, huh, let's see. We have a Mr. Brian Beacock in here as Ryanosuke uh, Akagawa. Can I do something really, really bad? First. What? Takapomon, no! Jesus Christ. All right. That was the worst impression. And I hope Stephen Bloom punches me in the face. So, Steph. It's funny, it's funny you say that, because Brian Beacock has been in series such as Toradora, Blue Exorcist, and Digimon Train. And Famous. let's not Why forget. Why do you think I made the joke? Let's not forget. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. Fuck. <laughs> He's the game boop, version boop, of Monokuma. Boop, 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 boop. Go back and jerk off on your Vita to me, Andrew. God. He's the... Brian Beacock is the game version of uh, Monokuma. For I think the year I made the Monokuma cake, um, he was like, that's fucking cool. He's also the best... Yeah. He's also the best voice of Monokuma. Fuck you, fight me. <clears throat> oh, you. shit! Fuck oh, fuck, we going down that road tonight! Oh, wow. shit, bitch! Oh, shit, bitch! The, we will have this discussion later. We don't have the time. Anime Fest! But, come one, come all to our panel at Anime Fest that we haven't signed up for yet, where you can watch Stephanie punch Andrew in his tiny balls. <laughs> what is it? Greg, you know what? i join you guys. Punching him in his tiny balls? Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought the both of them were about equal. This is oh. him welcome, to the Don- welcome to the Duncan Rope 4 episode. Oh boy. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. So thoughts on Brian Beacock. Megan, will you please kick us off? Oh boy. He was fucking great. I did not expect Brian Beacock to be good. Um obviously I'm going to be much harder on everybody else, on anybody, because this is my baby. Like, I love Octagawi, even though he's a murderous psychopath. He's really cute, okay? Um, and I ship him with Atashi, but that's another story. Um, don't at me. Um, but no, uh, one thing was really funny was, I think Andrew's gonna say this. Andrew had another character that sounds, and I disagree with him fully, by the way, that he sounds like it. Um, I thought he was fucking phenomenal, and he was fucking terrifying, because the only thing I, honest to God, really know Brian Peacock is, is as Takato. (laughs) Takato was murdering people and I mean there's like that one episode in Tamers where Takato gets really angry but that's about it like you could say like Monokuma is murderous but like Octagawa is like fucking Satan um (laughs) and I don't think I've ever heard but a different kind of Satan (laughs) 
he I gets mean, all his he life was... lessons from a hot topic store, basically. Yeah. You know what? Stop stop shaming him. He's a good boy. <laughs> He's not a good boy at all. But you know what I mean. No, uh, Brian Beacock was great. He got menacing down. He also got um when he was fighting Atashi on the boat, which by the way is hype as fuck. That's a really it's um, a really good fight. Like That's how you remember one. this is a bone show. Yeah. Um but, like, when he's talking and he's dealing with Daizai, I think he's got, like, a really good sense of childishness about him. Because I think mm. Octagawa is also pretty childish as well. Yep. Because he was... Him and Atashi are very similar to each other. They were raised alone and... But instead of having somebody who cultivated his powers in a good way... They were cultivated for evil. Ironically by the same person. Ironically by the same person. And in closing, I would like to point out the sheer irony in this, um, because in real life, it was not Daizai who inspired the real Ryanosuke Octagawa, it was the other way around. That is pretty interesting. Also, B, we all know what Rashomon is because there's a very famous movie called Rashomon. Mm-hmm. It's also right. a very good movie. All right, Andrew, how do you feel about Brian's performance? Okay. The fact that, like, the only role I was aware of Brian Beacock as I was watching this was Monokuma. I already knew, like, he was good in that, but this is really seeing what he, like, his acting range fully on display as, like, the rival villainous character. I got, instead of, like, less of what I thought I was gonna get was, like, more angry, like, teenage boy, which I guess is, like, the fan inversion. I got a very almost Shakespearean ex presentation of what I got from Octagon. Edgelord. Edgelord, basically. <laughs> Edgelord. But yes, that, that's Edgelord. kind of like what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I was expecting, but it totally fits exactly what he's trying to be. He's got this real strong menace commanding this like he is the one in charge he's the one with all the cards and like when he does lose it it is pretty like scary and terrifying and here's the thing that i got a big vibe from that megan disagrees with but he, let me explain he reminds me of chris aries frieza there's something okay. about the way he presents himself as this villainous almost cocky villainous figure who has all the cards all the power and is untouchable i get very freeze of eyes and there's something about the tone of his voice the fact that he uses bigger more eloquent language and that he is the one that commands all these servants and can destroy anybody at the drop of a hat that really reminds me a lot of that that i didn't piece together but just the way his voice sounds i got a very frieza vibe and i think it's really interesting and kind of made me appreciate this character and this actor a lot more than i think i was expecting to real talk brian beacock is not a name i really paid much mind to after this He's someone I'm definitely going to pay attention to if I see him casted in somebody else. And he's already a goddamn good evil despair bear. And he's a goddamn really good evil despair angsty child who's trying to pawn for Senpai's attention. Senpai, notice me. Roots, how do you feel about Brian's performance? Alright, so funny story from the opening. I, I only watched like the first two episodes as the show was airing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually get to Octagawa until later. Okay. Yeah. But 
from my impressions from the OP, given the way, you know, he's constantly covering his mouth mm -hmm. with just about with either the the hem of his coat or his mouth or his hand. I had assumed he would be a strong character, but more the butt of jokes. Like they yeah. would use they would use his edge this edgelord character design as the butt of a joke. So when I finally got to it, I was taken a bit aback. That it's com like, he's like a completely played straight character. Yep. Yeah, it's really hard for anime dubs to get that sense of menace correct because you it's either not enough or you overdo it and it's it. A little too handy. This kind of struck that middle ground. God, I, I really like his scenes in episode 11 with the... Uh, not episode 11, episode 10 with the fight. Oh, it's such a yes. good fight. And actually, episode 11, when he wakes up from the coma as a result of oh, the fight. Yeah. And he felt that genuinely sincere. Yeah. yeah. That was one of those few times where he's actually sincere and he's more vulnerable. He's yeah, a, I, re a, I really like kind of a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> Get that man a hug. Give him a hug. Oh God! So the I, the first note I wrote about Brian's performance, and in all caps, surprise! It's Brian Beacock. <laughs> Cause you, I never in a million years would have expected this, in the slightest. Cause um, the only times I've heard Brian Beacock in anything was a little bit in Tamers. His otaku comedic character in Dorada. And of course his Monokuma <laughs> uh, in the video game. So this is completely this is completely different than anything I've ever seen him bef do before. Cause he he's surprisingly he's very surprisingly scary. Uh, he's surprisingly menacing and scary. It's something I would never imagine i would see and this is one of two standout performances for me in the entire show like i was blown away the instant i saw him in the third episode and he actually has uh going back to interesting dynamics he has he's a part of two interesting dynamics that i wrote down um those being his dynamic with dazai uh as the mentor and apprentice relationship under the port mafia and more of it's more of a um he is the student a, he is it he is the student more of, more more it's more of a brutal almost abusive kind of relationship to an extent <laughs> um and then you have the dynamic of Akutagawa and atsushi the two apprentices under the same teacher who were treated completely differently. And in Akutagawa's case, he's very, very jealous of Atsushi. Dazai thinks of Atsushi as the better pupil than Akutagawa ever was. And Akutagawa's pissed because he wants to prove himself to Dazai so he can be acknowledged by him. But Dazai left before he ever was acknowledged, and he's very mad about it. Um, but... All of those facets of Akutagawa, the menacing, the scary, the jealous, and the determination that he has to be acknowledged, his desire to be acknowledged by his mentor, all of those facets, Brian plays all of them 
amazingly and beautifully. And it again, it's one of those standout performances for me for the entire show. I, I'd say without a doubt, Octagawa is fantastic, amazing, phenomenal. And my boyfriend. And Megan's boyfriend. <laughs> but even then, in regards to the dub, he's still only... You know what? I'm going to go get my Nessobiri and hug him. I was going to say, even in, then, in regards to the dub of Bungo Stray Dogs, just like in the actual show, Bungo Stray Dogs, he's only the silver medal. Moving on. We're down to two characters. Let's talk about Osamu Dazai, our suicidal maniac. <laughs> Um, Dazai is, uh, he's a member of the Armed Detective Agency and a former executive of the Port Mafia, as we have mentioned a few times. Dazai is an interesting character, to say the least. Boy. Um, cause, I don't know, cause he's just, he's just, he's very eccentric and weird, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Dazai's ability is known as No Longer Human, which allows him to cancel any ability by touch. What's so that? He, you wanted to do something, nah, fam. So in or the or as Dazai himself puts it, he's anti-gifted. So predictions for Dazai. Uh, I had three. I had two Texans. Uh, my two Texan predictions. My first one was Joel McDonald, and my second one was Dave Trosco. All right. Wow. Interesting. I tried to not play it safe with Dazai because I didn't. My biggest fear was the one that we were all thinking. Hey. He's played by Mamoru Miyano. Please don't let it be Vic Mignano. That's fair. And I had similar ideas, but not quite that. Uh, in regards to Dazai, I had two in mind. One uh, was Robbie Damon. I thought it would have been a really fitting voice for that particular aesthetic character. The other one, a little more risky, but also fitting in my mind since he's a very talented actor. Ben Diskin. Uh, let's see here. Who did I have? I also had a Texan and a Californian. Um, for the Dallas voice actor, I had Mike McFarland. And for the LA, Doug Airholtz. Alright. My predictions for Dazai. I have three. One of them is actual, actually also Joel McDonald. He was my second choice because I, I thought it would be a lot of fun. Uh, my third choice was a default to Eric Vale because that would also be fun. My first choice, though, because I think this is after Noragami, of course. I think, actually, this is probably after Noragami Adigoto where I decided is it, to throw... Is it Jason Lebrecht? It's Jason Lebrecht. Of course it is. Nice. It would have been a fun fucking yeah. show, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, but instead, in a fun little twist, because this episode is full of fun casting and fun little twists. Steph, before you say it... Can I do it, please? Hang on. Hold on. I, I would like to direct all of you, what is the current name of this chat room right now? <laughs> Megan. Holy shit, it's KG Tang! <laughs> what up? It is KG Tang who's Thank playing Thank you, Sarah Osamu. Williams. <laughs> yeah, KG Tang is the voice of Osamu Dazai, who has been in series such as uh, Anohana Kill a Kill, which I believe that is the source of that joke. Uh, blooper, yep. <laughs> and uh, Prince of Stride Alternative. So, Megan, can you go first with your thoughts on Dazai, please? Well, I think KG Tang uh, was taking a whiz, and the arc was just perfect. Um, <laughs> I 
was taking a drink, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Not even sorry. Fuck you. I will spit my coffee up on my notes, and that would have been bad. No, it would have been funny as fuck. Well, sure I would have murdered you. Steph, make sure it's a perfect angle. God damn and it. then, and then you will achieve the higher plane that KG Tang's performance is on. Um, <laughs> did okay. Literally, I can't see it. Show of hands. Who actually thought this was going to work? I did actually. I thought Bullshit. This was work. Okay. Bullshit. Here's the okay. Like, here's my thing. I don't think KG Tang's a bad actor, but I associated KG KG Juicy Flanagan Tang <laughs> as big gruff dudes. And of course, I had seen Anohana, and of course, okay, Popo's comedic and dramatic, but Popo isn't a fucking Mamoru Miyano character. Like fair. Yo, like among Seiyu, even if you're not into Japanese uh, subtitle tracks. Y'all know who the fuck Mamoru Miyano is. Mm -hmm. Like, Mamoru Miyano, you know, the guy who plays characters like fucking JJ and Sukiyama. Who, you have to basically consume a pig factory to get on his level of ham. And somehow Keiji Tang is phenomenal. I didn't think he could do it, but he nails every single aspect of this character to the point that it is the single most flawless comedic performance I've heard in an anime in years. And that's saying something. I think he's better than almost every dubby I've given to a comedic performance in the last couple years. Damn. There is nothing I bad I can say about this performance. He does the dramatic stuff well. He flips, switches so well. There's a part where he has to act like he's high on shrooms. He, there is nothing he gets wrong. It's honestly like, I love Mamoru Miyano, but I think I actually like Keiji Tang as Daisai better. Mm, big words, but you're right. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's that good. Oh no, you're totally fucking right. There is nothing wrong with this performance. And it is, like, I hate when my dubbies are decided in the fucking winner. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one, if you can top KG Tang's comedic performance, you have probably sold your soul to the devil or are, in fact, doing quaaludes in the booth. So what you're saying <laughs> is expect KG's name to pop up again this year. Oh, definitely. I want KG Tang doing more lead roles like this. He is... So enigmatic and charming and crazy, and you want to smack him in the face. I, I, I mean, I was sold the second he I heard that trailer. I was like, "There's no." And the other thing was, I couldn't believe it was KG Tang. Surprise, motherfucker! I, oh my god, I, I'm gonna stop because I don't want to take away from all the other nice things y'all are gonna say. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, none of us are gonna say any bad things. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, so, uh, so. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I'm, he's, he's making. I agree. He, but... He's doing funny noises. Speaking of funny noises, KG fucking <laughs> This. <laughs> Keiji Tang is a very talented actor who I've heard in a number of things over the years. Like he's done, he's got a lot of variety. I've been informed 
in video games, but as far as, like, what we cover in anime. I feel really bad because I totally forgot he's probably one of the funniest fucking Fire Emblem characters of all time. My so he is a Wayne. He, like I said, he's a Wayne slash Odin Dark. And if you've never <laughs> snapped, like, I need to get you a DS so you can play Awakening. Because literally, Owain is fucking great. Owain is great. And he's also, like, in two, he's three different characters in the Danganronpa franchise. Now that I fucking think about it, that's really. Down Sword Hand! As far as, like, what we've covered in anime and stuff, he's mostly for a while been big, gruff, like, tough guy. Like, he's got some variety to that. Like, Popo was definitely one of the most surprising changes I had seen to his versatility. But this is even further beyond. I did... This went above and beyond. Like, I am blown away by this. Like, this is already a pretty ambitious cast. This is, like, the creme de la creme. And he breathes so much life into this character. Like, I did not care much for him in Japanese, but it's like, I completely got everything about what this character was trying to be completely from Keiji's performance. Like, everything, there's so many I could point out, like, from the deliver, like, the comedic delivery when he's fucking with Chuya, to when he's messing with uh, Dazai about his ideal woman, where it's like, I knew you were having wild fan- Dopo, you mean? Yes, Dopo. With, I knew you were having wild fantasies about it, so I didn't bother correcting you, because it was funny to me. And just, the, the they bounce, him and Dopo bounce off each other. KG Tag and Patrick Seitz is a, is a, they are both actors who play very gruff, tough, badass men, and they are doing, like, Bashonen comedic gold. And it works so well. God damn. Without a doubt, bar none, Keiji Tang as Osamu Dazai, the star of this dub. Period. Okay. Done. Roots. Alright. Because um, mainly I'm going to agree with Megan and Andrew basically 100% of the way. Um, I'd rather take my segment and provide a little anecdote. Okay. I started watching Bungo Stray Dogs, the dub, like, three or four days ago. I, I get to Cage Tang, and then I put into our group chat for, for the show, and I do believe I'm quoting here, because I, I, my, my phone's charging up at the other side of the room, so I can't check. Shut the fuck up, that is not KG Tang. <laughs> I think I remember you saying that, let me look for and it. Then, and then we were all like, yes it is. And then, Steph, actually, you were the one who corrected me. Yes, it's KG Tang. And I respond, that's bullshit. Next post, bull. Next post, shit. I really like the performance. It's probably my favorite of the show. He has to be all over the place. And despite the fact that I am familiar with more of KG Tang's range than most anime allow him to have, thanks to basically Fire Emblem... You also know who else he's gonna be? Huh. Motherfucker's Detective Pikachu. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right! That's hilarious! Someone just... Okay, when... I, I want YouTube poop of Detective Pikachu as dubbed by Taisai. KG Tang, off the walls. I want more of that in anime. 
Want to know what the first note I wrote down for my entire set of notes for the show was? Holy shit. Murder Megan at Anime Boston because she's probably going to make this into like a four hour episode because she's a psychopath? No. The first note I wrote down while watching the episode today. And in all caps, surprise, it's KG Tech. This is the other standout performance in the show and my favorite performance in the show far no. Like I said, even in the dub and in the real show, Octagawa's only number two compared to Dazai. I mean, Dazai himself has a lot of personality to him. He's both off the wall and energetic, but because we have been talking about this a lot, he is a former Port Mafia executive. He can be dark and menacing. He can. He can, and we've seen and we've seen it. We have seen it happen. And um, even when he's now with the Armed Detective Agency, we do see moments where he can be very, very serious. Serious, but also has like a, sh- like almost a shit-eating grin on his face. Funny enough, like, is it- like the voice he uses when he's like training Octagawa in the Port Mafia and like when he gets more intimidating is like more what I associate Keiji's voice in anime with. Yeah. Which is why it's really interesting that he was cast as this role. And it's also, and I was about to actually bring up because um, his interaction with Chuya that we get to see. That's a fun interaction too. Because, yeah, going going back to all these interesting dynamics, like, KG has a really interesting dynamic with Nicholas Roy. He also has a very interesting dynamic with Patrick Seitz and Kunikita. Um, Because those two dynamics are similar, but the character personalities and character types that both Nicholas and Patrick have to play are completely different. So those interactions and dynamics that KG plays off of are really interesting. He has fun with that. And then there's also, like we were saying before, like we were just saying, his dynamic with Octagawa and Brian Beacock's performance is also very interesting. And there are so many interesting facets to Dazai's character that, like, we don't have time to talk about them. Like, we can make an entire podcast that is tonight just talking about KG Tank as Dazai. We honestly probably Pro- could. Probably. Because it's downright amazing. And, um, but I think one of my favorite, because my favorite thing about this performance. He demonstrates how vast his range can be with just Dazai. And it's interesting because, like we, were, like I was saying, there is the dark and menacing, which is, as Andrew was saying, is pretty close to what we typically associate KG Tang performances to be. Then there's the slightly goofy, kind of eccentric kind of guy. And then, because I had to step away for a minute... Because I was getting more co- more iced coffee, which is probably a terrible decision at almost midnight. Um, but I didn't know if this got brought up. Then you have the moments like the fucking mushroom. Ah! Yep. It's probably one of my favorite faces in the whole they're show. Ri- okay, by the way, this show has some really good reaction faces. Uh, by the way, we should point out that the guy who directed this did direct some episodes, I think, of Oron and Soul No, he's the, di- he's the main director of both. No, but seriously, like, Kuri Kira! Ah! You wanna join me over on this? <laughs> There's like, so oh many rainbow God. pill bugs here! Just with Dazai's character alone, you see how vast Keiji's range is, and it is 
Oh, I love it. It's great. It's a lot of people probably never would have expected this casting to happen, let alone to work. I figured it would work. I just didn't know it was going to happen. Because <laughs> I'm just like, because I was under the impression and I'm crossing my fingers that it was supposed to be a Dallas dub. But of course, it didn't happen. But um, now that this show came out, I can't see anyone but KG Tang as Dallas. Mm -hmm. like, even my predictions that I had, I'm like, no. No, none of this would work anymore. It has to be KG Tag. It has to be, because he's just downright amazing, and the range he has to pull off in the show is extensive, and I have to commend him for it. It's absolutely my favorite, and probably, to, in my opinion, the best performance of the show. Um, Toss the laptop in the trash and, and then pull it back out, because you, you gotta use it for podcasting and stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, are we good to move on to our last character? Yes. Our last character of the night, Atsushi Nakajima. Uh, he is our uh, lead orphan. Uh, he gets tossed out of the orphanage due to an attack by a monstrous tiger destroying ship. Uh, but the orphanage declined to tell Atsushi that he is, in fact, a were tiger and he possesses the ability to turn into a tiger. Uh, hence the name of, his, name of his ability, uh, Beast Beneath the Moon. Or Beast Beneath the Moonlight, I believe. Uh, and throughout the course of the series, Atsushi, because he gets taken in uh, by Daisai and the Armed Detective Agency, over the course of the series, he gains a lot more confidence in himself, and he becomes a much more, much more... He's a good boy. He, he's a good he becomes boy. A, he becomes a, he becomes a very good boy and a very badass character. An archetype I'm really a big fan of. Uh, predictions for Atsushi. I have two. I have none, because this was the first role that was announced, and that's what... And it got spoiled. And that's what clued me to restart my casting list again and make me realize, wait a second, this is actually a California dub. So I don't have any... I had everything for everybody else. I don't have any for Atsushi since I was the first one that clued me in. This was a Cali dub. I have two, and they're Texas, and they're probably the most vanilla same safe... Uh... Well, okay, what, at the time when I made this one was super vanilla and safe, the other one wasn't. Um, my first prediction, obviously, was Justin Briner. My second prediction, uh, and at the time, this wasn't vanilla, but Steph would, and Steph would agree, that my other mm -hmm. prediction would have been Dallas Reed. I'm gonna agree with that. Dallas Reed was my second pick for Atsushi, actually. Uh, but my first choice was actually, maybe not vanilla, but it would be an interesting choice. I had Aaron Disney as my first choice for Atsushi. Alright, so my Dallas one was Damon Mills. Uh, my LA one was Kyle McCarley, and the weird one that I, I probably thought could either work could work either way, but I, I don't even remember why I wrote it down. It was uh, Joshua Seth. Joshua Seth. I mean, considering hmm. he I, came back for Digimon all Adventure right, Try. That's right. The individual who's voicing Atsushi Nakajima is one Mr. Max Middleman, who has been in series such as Your Line, April 7, Deadly Sins, and One Punch Man. Megan, how do you feel about Max's performance as Atsushi? Uh, I actually felt that this was the absolute safest prediction of, uh, safest casting in the whole show. Mm. Safer um, than Vic? Yes, actually. Okay. okay. No, if they were gonna go super safe with Vic, Vic would have been Dizai. Mm, true, true. Fair. The ma'am's curse is a thing. Even for as safe as it is, I fucking love the shit out of it, because I love Max Middleman performances. Like, Ma like, like, legitimately, if you don't know, uh, Max Middleman is actually probably one of my favorite voice actors. 
He's a super sweet guy, by the way. Um, I've gotten the pleasure to meet him in person. Um, and it was also really funny because I played Persona 5 and I'm not done with it. And he's fucking Ryuji, who is the complete opposite of Atashi. Um, but I think he nails Atashi's, like, naivete and, and trauma and fear a lot. And that's something Max Middleman is super good at be doing as an actor. Um he is absolutely perfect. He makes Atashi even more adorable than he was in the Japanese. And to leave it off, I would also like to say that uh, the show credits him three times. <laughs> oh, yeah. They need to credit him as regular normal Atashi, Tiger Atashi, and, and Baby Atashi. And I thought that was really funny for some fucking reason. Yeah, they, they lift the credits uh, in alphabetical order to sequence. It's order, weird. And it's really dumb. Uh, and I would also actually like to point out this. Um, this one goes out to anybody who's watched the Japanese version of the Ancient Magus Bride. I would like to point out to you that Atashi is also the voice of Matthew the Cat Killer in the Japanese. <laughs> oh, shit boy anyway uh i thought max was great he's probably the one i have the least uh comments on because i'm used to hearing max Minimum play a lot of these characters and i'm the same i have the least to say but that being said it is a once again a true exploration of the comedic timing as well as the genuine badass dramatic moments that are, are in max Millman's range like the goofy the goofy noises he makes throughout the entirety of the show as an observer is genuinely entertaining as all hell and must have been a lot of fun for Max to do in the booth, and I respect mm -hmm. the hell of that. Also, he screams really good, and it sounds like it hurts. <laughs> you, you know, if you blow yourself up, you'll be dead. And my dad, I mean, really dead. Yeah, he, he is, like, at once funny, oh silly, but also kind of cool, badass, sweet, sincere, and actually like really good fights really show comes into his own and really develops as a character and i quite enjoy the entire package that max middleman has on display i mean it kind of sounds mean that i'm saying it like this but it's kind of what i expect from max middleman at this point but that's not a bad thing per se that just means he is good at what he does and when i see him i expect good things and the fact that I am still getting really good things with him as Atsushi, and really entertained by it, is a testament to his skill and ability as an actor, and I am very, I very much enjoyed him as Atsushi. I, too, have very few things to say, but in general, that's a very positive thing. Um, I like the performance, I like that he was able to do the goofball and the little ball of anxiety, and, you know, he was really good in the episode 10 fight. Actually, also the episode 12 fight. Ooh, yeah. Against, um, like, against Lucy. Yeah, that was some really good acting between him and Christina V and Keith Silverstein. I guess the thing I like about it is he is able to play off whoever he is on screen with very, very well. I guess that leaves me. Uh, <laughs> so I agree with all of that uh, that you guys just said. Um, Max is adorable. He's perfect as Atsushi. I mean, is it probably the most predictable casting choice that happened? Probably. But that doesn't mean it's terrible. Because there's a reason why he got cast in this role, of course. Just like everybody else. And it works. Like, the interesting thing, though, with me and Max, m my knowledge of uh, Max's performance and range, this is probably the most comedic I've seen him. 
go. Yeah, I will agree okay. with that. I will agree this is probably more comedic, but... Because... Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the thing is... Some people might yell at me and say, but what about Saitama from One Punch Man? Saitama... Saitama's played straight most of the time. Exactly. That's more of a straight character. Yeah, it's everybody like, around mind, him. With, like, maybe minor twinges of comedy in there. Um, and that's the point of Saitama. Atashi, on the other hand, is straight up co- an anxiety-filled, comedic kind of performance. So this is a very different side that we're getting to see of Max and his range, and I really appreciate that. Because, I mean, I've seen him go dramatic with um, Your Line April. I've seen him go straight man in a comedy in One Punch Man. Now I'm seeing him as comedic. Like, sometimes the butt of the joke on occasion. The butt of the but joke regularly. Yes, but sometimes, but also seeing him as this, this down on his luck, anxiety ridden child who just doesn't know what to do or how to feel because he feels a lot of guilt for dragging people into a mess that he didn't, that he somehow did not intentionally cause just because he has a gift of being a were tiger. And it's really interesting the range that Max plays with with Atashi. I mean, again, like I was saying earlier, the little bit where um, he confronts uh, Junichiro Tanizaki in episode 2 during his test, and he's like, you know, if you blow yourself up, you'll be dead. And by that, I mean really dead. So why don't we look for jobs together, okay? And by dead, I mean really dead. (laughs) Really dead. Like, it was, like, there's a lot of facets to the character, and you, and as Atashi grows more confident and he becomes a more competent and reliable agent among the armed detective agency. You can see Max's performance just grow with it. And it's a wonderful and natural progression for the character. And again, he, he, like many of the other characters have fun, interesting dynamics with all these, with a bunch of these characters, his dynamic with Brian's Octagawa as a rivalry, rivalry, jealous type of deal is fantastic. His dynamic with, KG Tang is Dazai is downright hilarious and amazing. And his the other big one that I wanted to make note of was his dynamic with Jeremy as a Kyoka. Mm. It's also very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And my brain actually had an interesting thought because him, Octagawa, Asashi Octagawa and Kyoka are all one and the same. All three of these kids have been orphaned and have dealt with, had had, been, had rough upbringings to some extent. And they are brought in to be used by these different powers that be. Some in the ca- some of these cases, they turned out badly. In Asashi's case, he's the lucky one. He's the lucky one who didn't have to go down that route. Kyoka's case is she was saved. Octagawa, unfortunately, is the one out of this trio who is stuck in his circumstance. And, uh, and more because he chose to be. Um, rather than to try and get out of it. But it's very interesting, those three characters, how similar they are to each other. Yet how the, each one of them um, goes throughout the series and where they end up and how they get there is very different. And how they react to each of those things. I find it's very interesting um, comparison between the three. But um, bottom line, really, is Max's performance 
as Atashi is adorable as hell. I love it to pieces. Um, it's not my favorite, obviously, because Keiji Tang stole the show and fucking ran with it. But it's still a fun performance nonetheless. Um, I think at this point we are ready to wrap things up and we need to go into final thoughts. We need to go into final thoughts and we're going to have to make this very, very brief. Megan, can you go first for me, please? Hell yeah! I love this show! I love this dub! It is fucking great! You are dumb if you miss it! Don't let what other people say, because I saw a lot of people are like, Oh, this dub sucks, they don't fucking pronounce everything right. Remember, kids, if they're not pronouncing something right, they probably got asked by the Japanese to fucking do it. Uh, please watch Boon and Go Stray Dogs. Please fucking watch it. It is an amazingly fun show. It is not fucking My Hero. I know that a lot of people are probably like, why do you keep bringing up My Hero? It's because they're both bone shows. They both came out around the same time, and they are both very popular. Um, don't go into- and they both have, like, people with supernatural powers. Don't go into that thinking this show. Go into this wanting to watch a fun, mafia, dumb time- uh, also be Fight Me that the show's first ending is one of the best anime endings of all time. Fuck you, Fight Me. I love it. Good job to everybody in the cast, but especially to you, Mr. KG fucking Tang. I won't fight you on Rainbow the- Rainbow Pillbugs! I won't fight you on okay. the ending bit. Andrew, oh. final thoughts. Okay, straight yeah. up, this was something that really surprised me. It's like, I was expecting a lot of big things, considering I've been hearing Megan ask about this stuff for year- for at least a few months to close to a year or so. Remember, I went into the stratosphere upset because I didn't announce it at AF. She, she's been at this She's been like at this for years. a while, so it kind of feels surreal that we are actually covering this now. That being said, I'm really surprised with what we got. I did not know how this dub was going to come out, who was going to be it, whatever. Everybody they got into it. I think I enjoyed every single thing about it. All these people put their heart and soul into these performances. There's a lot of personality dynamic. Making a lot of these comedic timing moments really flow while also making it naturally fit into dramatic sequences is not easy. And that's something that the show and this dub manages to accomplish spectacularly. The dub's, the dub's great. The script's great. The Everybody sounds like they're having a fucking blast. I'm really glad this was picked up. I'm really glad, like, funny role really managed to come together to make this dub happen that we can cover it that we can talk about it i loved it a lot really good great job i think that was a very good dub not quite a great dub but uh very standout performances marred by some minor miscasting and double casting uh, kind of an interesting little experiment with this and another show we're going to be covering down the line. Basically, the, the Crunchyroll Studiopolis dubs. Interesting little experiment. Now, uh, Funimation and Crunchyroll, goddammit, get it on get it on Thunderbolt Fantasy. Moving on. Uh, my final thoughts. Very, very solid dub. Uh, Well-written, uh, well-directed, minor, minor, well, not exactly minor nitpicks. Uh, slight issue with the double casting, but that might not be on the actors. It might be on the studio. Um, slight issues with some of some performances, but despite that, I think with what they were given, they were did rather well with it. Um, there are some standout performances from surprise standout performances and surprises that you would not expect, and there's some underrated performances that you should just not miss. There are performances that are set up wonderfully that I really want the second season now. I wish I didn't have to wait for who knows how fucking long at this point. Um, Hopefully by the end of this year, because I think uh, East Attorney was, what, January and May? Sounds about right. So it's like a four-month, about a four-month 
gap, so probably July. Sounds about right. The only issue is Ace Attorney is Dallas. I, and I think they've probably worked on it all around the same time. We'll figure it out. The bigger, I would, I would the bigger so. question to me is, are they going to pick up the movie? Because I really hope they... Fucking better. better. But anyway, very solid. It's a fun show. It's not the... So far, it's not the best I think it, I've seen this year so far. Um, maybe in terms of... Oh, yeah, no, this is not as close to Devil Man Crybaby to me. Well, it may, well, I haven't seen Devil Man. Um, it may not be the best that I've seen so far, but it comes pretty close. Uh, but it is a lot of fun, and I want season two, like, right fucking now. Can we please? Please? I would love it, like, right now. Um, but on that note, I believe we are done for the night. Horse out. Fast. <laughs> Working on it. All right. Here we go. Speed round. Lightning round. If you are interested in seeing the English dub for Bungo Stray Dogs, the first season of the dub is available on Funimation now, as of right now, uh, if you are interested in catching it. They do have a subscription service, a 14-day free trial, where you can try out their subscription services uh, if you are interested in doing so. However, as always, remember that if you do not want to keep a subscription after the 14-day free trial, please cancel it because they do ask for credit card information and will charge your account after the 14 days. If you do want to see the show in general and in the Japanese, you can head on over the Crunchyroll where they have that but they also have both seasons first and second season of the series itself if you're interested in that they also have a subscription service if you're interested in their premium service however it is actually not required to have that subscription service in order to watch Bungo Stray Dogs and if you want to see anything else that the four of us do course my name is stephanie also known as lilac you can follow me on twitter at lilac anime review review being spelled r-e-v-u-e megan her twitter handle is at queen era 2 she is also a forum mono she is also a moderator for the funimation forums and the funimation discord not yet forums well funimation discord in, in the works in the works um wow i lost my train of thought okay I was, I was trying to do lightning on Roots, you can follow him on Twitter at Roots of Justice if you're interested in Pugs posts, conspiracy theories, and a bunch of other things. Uh, Andrew, you can follow him on Twitter at MangaMan9000. He is also a moderator for the Funimation Discord. Um, and I want to say the forums, yes. but that's probably not true yet. It yes. is? No, he is a forum mod now. So he, you are officially yes. a forum mod. Okay. Beautiful. Congratulations, Mazda Top. <laughs> uh, if you are interested in anything else that Dub Talk does in general, the best way to do so, of course, is following is subscribing to us here on YouTube, where we post videos every single week, sometimes twice a week, depending on what the hell's going on. We also have a Twitter account, Instagram account, Tumblr, and a Twitch channel. If you're interested in following any of those, all of them are at Dub Talk Podcast. And a couple more things, because the goal is to post this the week, the Wednesday of Anime Boston. A couple quick reminders, because uh, we haven't made the announcement video as of yet. Two big things. One, we are hosting a our first ever Twitch live stream. I believe we decided to set it on Thursday night. We don't have a time yet as of recording this, um, but we're I'm, not telling you what we're playing. But it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be well. It's gonna be a lot of well. I don't. We're debating on announcing it in the actual announcement video because I'm thinking in my head maybe if we post that on on the Monday. You'll figure it out when um, you get there. We'll figure it out. But we are gonna be having our first ever Twitch live stream as a group. Uh, with the anim people going to Anime Boston on Thursday night. We don't have a time yet. Uh, we also have, if you are if you are in the Boston area and are going to Anime Boston, uh, please come join us. Oh, God, I got to pull up my phone. 6.30 on Saturday, uh, 
Oh no 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 no! Please don't oh. it. Let, oh. me, let me let me let me do it. Uh, cause we actually, as we were recording this episode, I got my email for the date and time and the room for where our panel is going to be. Uh, so we were approved by Anime Boston for the evolution of English dub anime. Uh, with the Dub Talk podcast, we are scheduled. Uh, for our panel on Saturday the thirty first at six thirty p.m. in the Sheraton panel. Uh, for the Sheraton panel in Ooh, the Fens. That's Fens, a good room. It says. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we have a pretty decent sized room. I'm hoping we can fill. It. I'm re- I would love to fill that this time. So please come and check us out and say hi to us if you can. Um, otherwise than that, if you see any of us roaming around Anime Boston, I know myself, Megan, Root, Amon, Sneebs, Zenith. Uh, we will Gigi. We will all be there uh, over the weekend as well with other as other friends as well as other friendos. Um, but I believe at that point that is all we have left for the night. Oh boy! Speed run, lightning run. Okay. That is, I think, this is single-handedly the longest episode. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna make sure it's not the longest episode, okay? Because <laughs> let's be fair, we had we had to take several breaks partway through. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. If if you yeah. There's also a lot of like filler stuff in between. Let's be. Not a filler that I can cut, and it's. You can cut out the ten minutes of wooing of dog noises. <laughs> I don't even know why she went there, but okay. But on that note, I think we are good. It's a Twilight Bark, bitch. I need to. I need to slow down. I need to breathe. I'm used to talking. <laughs> that coffee's hitting in. No, no, no. My thing is, is I naturally tend to talk very, very fast. So sometimes I have to actually mentally like think and process and slow myself down, Steph, like deliberately. But <laughs> Steph, I can I stop, please? Hold on. Well, from all of us here at DubTuck, it's time to go to bed. Thank you guys for joining us on our long excursion and our long-awaited excursion into this fun little show. Please go watch the show. Please go get the show. Uh, I think we are done for the night. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us in Otaku on, my friend. Otaku on, everybody. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Come